back and get ready to have the most fun you ever had with an electronic device. Who was the guy that the Jets had last year? Was it Fails? Fails. <laughs> His name was Fails or something. Perfect name. <laughs> Put him in there. And, and now for the Jets, starting at quarterback, Epic Fails. Hi, everybody. Welcome out to the log room. It is Wednesday, December 2nd, 2020. Jersey Johnny coming at you, and with me, as always, is none other than Mr. Radio Pete, Mr. Harry Lugnut. Say hello, guys. Hello, guys. Howdy, folks. Howdy, Happy, folks. Happy Wednesday night football night. Wednesday night football night. Are they actually it's, playing? I think it's, it's over. It's over. Who won? Steelers won. Okay. Uh, Just because I got to update the pick sheet. This is true. Yeah, Steelers won 19 to 14, I believe, was the final score. Yeah. Not surprised. Yeah. It uh, it wasn't as close as the score seemed either. All right. Good to know. uh, Yeah. There you go. Um, Yeah. Well, anyway, it's uh, Wednesday night. It is time for the log room. We're going to get going on a bunch of sports things uh, this evening. We uh, had a uh, an interesting uh, Wednesday football, Wednesday afternoon football. We had not Monday night football. Why not, not Sunday night football? Why not? When, what? Why not? Why not Wednesday afternoon football? Why the hell not? And you know why the game was scheduled for three forty this afternoon, right? You know why the reasoning for that was? Because there's something else going on this evening. The Christmas tree lighting in Rockefeller Center. Yes. It's an NBC game, so they had to get that in before they went to the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree lighting. Is the owl going to be there? <laughs> the owl's making a special appearance at the Pittsburgh game, actually. That's right. That's right. I, I figured they'd want to start early just in case they had to postpone it for another couple of hours. <laughs> like, right. well, we could push it back to 630, I guess. Get that guy an IV and get him out there. And then <laughs> get him out. We need 38 for them to actually be able to play. Out of all of the things that have upset people this year, I think the the selection of that tree for Rockefeller Center, I've never seen more angry idiots on the intermedia's Instaface things. I'm just like, (laughs) intermedia's Instaface. Settle down. It's just a tree. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's appropriate, right? I mean, it's, they it's definitely they appropriate. They should have just year, put yeah. up a Festivus pole and stuck a. What's, what's wrong with the tree? I haven't looked. <laughs> oh, yeah. it was it was a little sparse. Yeah. Oh, okay. It looked like my it looked like my bank account. <laughs> was it from the Was it from a California forest that it had burned? That's right. And they yeah. kind of brought in the smoldering. Yeah, might as well be. That would have been. Beetle, it was beetle kill pine. That would have been even oh, more okay. appropriate. <laughs> well, actually, I heard today. I think that. Um, I forget what year it was, the 2000-something. The last time they had a football game on Wednesday was they put uh, a Thursday game on Wednesday because Barack Obama was making um, a speech at the Democratic Convention. (laughs) Um, And so that's why they postponed the game. So there you go. Obama and COVID. Obama and COVID are the two reasons to play football on Wednesdays. But was that game on Wednesday night or afternoon? (laughs) I think it was Wednesday night. There you go. Um, do you guys, what, how much stock do you put into the, it's not about who's available um, uh, because people were saying why, you know, uh, Pittsburgh's getting screwed over here and there were certain other games that were not postponed. 
like the Denver game. Why, you know, Denver didn't have a quarterback. Why not postpone that game? And the league saying, well, we don't postpone it because of the players who are out. We just have to make sure there's enough guys or whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, but I it kind of seems kind of seems like this game because a lot of people are saying just have a week 18 and play this game week 18. Sure. Maybe it'll sense. mean something. Probably not. But might probably mean something for Baltimore, but most likely not for Pittsburgh. Right. So, uh, you know, this is they had just had to get this game in because it's Baltimore and Pittsburgh and it's a big, you know, big ticket game and all that. Well, the so you guys put any stock in that or do you believe the NFL that it's not about the people who are available? It's not or, you know, it's not about the size of the the, the, the crowd or the, the market share or whatever. It's I, just about if they have enough guys, then we're going to play. I think it's timing. I think it's if, if they if there's a covid outbreak and it's earlier in the week, then they can preemptively postpone it to make sure that the protocols are in place. The Broncos, I mean, that was a last minute deal and kind of stupid for a room full of quarterbacks to all be taken. I mean, maybe we should be socially distancing our quarterbacks. Well, uh, yeah, that was the other thing is they were saying, well, they ignored the rules. And so the NFL was, in, without saying it, was kind of saying, well, if you're not going to follow the protocols and all your quarterbacks are going to get sick, then the hell with you. You're idiots. And and let you me deserve what you get. Yeah, but if that was Kansas City... Would they be starting? Well, that's right, and that's the yeah. whole. I mean, you know, to move this game three times, yeah, uh, it, it seems like you know, like why just just do it a week eighteen, right, right, and and more what Harry was saying though, I agree. If 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 the Broncos game last week, if that was the Chiefs, they would have they would have postponed the game. They would have moved stuff around. I'm sorry. I just don't believe that if Mahomes was out because of, of being quarantined and the rest of the quarterbacks on that staff and they had to move some stuff, I, think I they do were not trying. believe one minute that right. they would not have moved the game. And I think they were trying to – they're like, all right, the Broncos, let's face it, are not going anywhere this year. Let's let's at least use this as a mm-hmm. learning experience or mm-hmm. an example of some sort. Right, yeah, I, that was that's what people were saying. They did say how, them a lesson. They did say, however, that the New York Mets actually had more healthy Denver Broncos quarterbacks than the Denver Broncos did. So, so. he won't go away. He yeah, just, but he, he just won't go away. And I just pray, <laughs> ironically, that he goes the fuck away. The the, the real Not a big Tebow fan, are you? No, no, he's uh, I'll, he's the one guy I'll take Daniel Jones over. <laughs> the real <laughs> irony of that is that the Broncos quarterbacks that were sick are all better hitters. And Tim Tebow. <laughs> all better hitters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, irony amongst well, irony. We could I'd be happy to trade. I'd be happy to trade one of those guys for Tebow. Yeah. That's yeah. hysterical. <laughs> That's great. I love Mets, that. The Mets farm system had more starting quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Oh, we had uh speaking of the tree, uh uh, Beer Samurai Dave uh, said, "Charlie Brown's tree. If Charlie Brown was a giant, that's the uh, <laughs> Charlie the- Brown was a giant, but so were all of the other peanuts. Ironically, <laughs> this is true. That's why Schroeder's yeah. piano looks so small. Yeah, there you go. There you yeah, go. Woodstock was actually uh, six five. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, well, let's let's get into a little of the Giants uh, for for a, a hot second here. Uh, they are in first place. Giants are in first place." Um, oddly enough, in a division again, uh, that's that's like I said the other week. That's like being the less least stinkiest shirt in the laundry pile. But uh, they're in first place, and defense looked pretty good though. Um, you know, for the most part, uh, throughout the game. And I know they were only playing the, the Bengals, but the Bengals, you know, we they're not <laughs> they're not the worst 
you know, two eight and one team <laughs> out there. Well, they were also without their best player, right? Of course, two, you know, two of the two of their top three best players. They, look, the Giants look okay. Everybody, I don't mean to be the Giants, you know, rain on the parade guy, right. but but I'm gonna be. Yay, but, the Giants, but. the Giants <laughs> snuck out a win against a Bengals team without their best player, and yeah. yay, we won. We won a game against other NFC East teams. Well, you know what? Here's my take on that game, and and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like blow smoke up up, up anybody's ass, but. Um, the game, I don't think it was as close as it seemed, uh, you know, for, sure. for, the, for the most part of the game, the only, the only score that the Giants gave up for the Bengals was a field goal that return was special teams. And the other touchdown that they had, uh, was Mac. I'm sorry. And I've said it before and I'm, I'm going to say it again this year. There have been a lot, a lot of crappy calls from referees. And I don't know whether they're homers. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to point any fingers. I'm not going to say there's any conspiracies or any crap like that. But yeah. uh, I just think that there, there was uh, that one, the, the third down play when they called pass interference in the end zone, which would have obviously resulted in another field goal for the Bengals. Uh, that was not pass interference. But there was holding by the Bengals. They didn't throw the flag for that. <laughs> you know, that's my point. And it was a blatant hold, too. So whatever you want to say about it, it the score wasn't as close as it was. It doesn't. I'm not giving a pass to the Giants. I'm not saying that they're the best things in sliced bread. But, you know, that's, that, that's, uh, that's why I'm saying that the, the score was uh, closer than it was. Not as close as it was, I should say. And, yeah, and that, anyway. and that, my friend, is is a very deep dive into a Giants Bengals game. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I mean, you could you could kind of say, uh, you know, this is maybe this is a game that the Giants should have won more convincingly, considering. Sure. sure. But you could sure. also say, for whatever it's worth, because they're the Bengals and they're uh, without um, Joe Burrow. But uh, this was you could say the Bengals were maybe a, probably a little bit pissed. Not necessarily the Giants, but at what had happened to their season, and they lost sure. their quarterback. And a team like that that has nothing to lose right. can be dangerous sometimes. This is true. Although again, they really weren't mustering up any offense. But I mean, they beat somebody other than an NFC team. So yeah. hallelujah. Hey. Yeah. John, John I mean, we, you, said... you do you do realize they're going to win one more game this year? Oh yeah, they're going to win. They're going to win. Uh, the they're going to win three more. I, uh, we'll, I we'll, we'll talk. I don't about know it. who they're. I don't know who they're playing, but I think <laughs> John Donovan just said the last the last two years they they lo- the last two years they lose that game. Absolutely, true, absolutely. True. So there's progress as well, little as it may be. And and the other thing is they the Beng- they, they won it or the Bengals lost it in kind of a very Giants esque way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that this is <laughs> not know, a turnover by the QB. Uh-oh. This was not yeah. A, yeah, exactly. This was not it was a couple of turnovers by the the quarterback there. But um, this was not a uh, this was not a game that the Giants that the other team lost. This was a game the Giants won. I'll, I'll give them the win on this, not the other team's loss. They, but, kicked, uh, they kicked more field goals than the other team. <laughs> there you go. Graham Gano was better. He, Graham Gano is the MVP. There you yeah, go. All right, but, now what will, about uh, this? Okay, I, will, I was going to say, I will tell you this, though. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones was out of that game for more than half of the game. And you put him in that game, uh, you, you keep him in that game, they win more convincingly. But I think they win by two field goals. There you go. Or, or three. Uh, but if you uh, if you keep, uh, you can definitely drive them down to the thirty five at least one more time. Well, I they just, would probably win by six, so that if the Bengals had scored on that last drive, they could have taken the a one point lead and won the game. But of right. course, they turned it over. So yeah, they they, they would have definitely been ahead by more. And, and I do agree. The defense the defense looks good. They look like they're really they, they look 
a lot faster than they have been in years past. Yeah. And uh, they've got some good, they've got some good young talent. I wish they had a little bit more of a pass rusher, though. That looked pretty good this this week. Yeah, um, pass rush look good. They're getting better. Yeah. They're, as they're, a team, I think uh, overall in in almost every aspect, they're getting better. And I, you know that's what you want to see. They have somewhat of a running game without Saquon Barkley. All of a sudden, yeah. the offensive line doesn't look half bad. It doesn't look great, but it doesn't look half bad. Again, they're so but Bengals. Yeah, but the question now is, you know, what what do you do if Daniel Jones doesn't play? Because Colt McCoy, right. pew pew pew. Yeah. Who's, the, who's who's the other quarterback? I don't even know who the other. They sign Alex Tanney off the practice squad, so he's the backup. Okay. Alex and he's he's he, he, he's he was a backup for the Giants in years past. He's been a backup for the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Has he but, ever played? Uh, uh, no, in preseason <laughs> against the Jets. Preseason against the Jets in the fourth quarter, and they won. <laughs> Yeah, no. scored two touchdowns. <laughs> he, he had the highest QB QBR in the history of the game. And exactly was, in that one quarter. Right. So, but it, it's looking like is I mean, is is Staples going to give him Sundays off because they're open on Sundays. They are. Well, no, because he works in the one in Bergen County, so it's, okay. it's, clo- it's closed. Okay, good. So there you go. Oh, but, that's um, cold. There you go. <laughs> I mean, it's like Colt McCoy and Alex Tanny. That's the that's the best way to make Daniel Jones look good. Is exactly those two guys. Yeah. Next but yeah. uh, I mean, well, I mean, let's talking about Daniel Jones. It, 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 the injury is just a strain to his. Yeah, it's horrible. It's not. It's. Uh, it's I hope. It, I hope it's not lingering. Yeah, but but at least it's not a pull. So you know he has a chance to come back sooner than later. I think they haven't made a decision on this weekend yet, but I think it's ridiculous if they want to bring him back right now. Look, even with Daniel Jones in there, they're going to Seattle. They're playing Seattle in Seattle. You know, I, I, even with Daniel Jones in there, you, you know, I mean Seattle's defense really isn't. I mean, we'll talk about that later, but Seattle's defense really isn't all that. They're they're, they're shockingly bad <laughs> this year, um, but. You know, so you never know what would happen there, but I still think it would be a really big chore for the Giants to do any damage against the Seahawks, even with Jones in there. So why risk putting him back too early? Let Colt McCoy go out there and take the loss, and then pick it up the week after and, and go from there. You know? I think if he's healthy and and there's no risk to him doing further damage to his body, which is incredibly almost impossible to predict, right? Then you got to play him, right? Oh yeah, no. If if the trainers say, "Hey, you know what? He's good to go." He's but good. if he, if if he's if he's hurt, then you got to uh, sit him. You yeah. got to you got to sit well, him and maybe look, sit they, him for longer than you know. Well, the Eagles are visiting the Packers and the Cowboys are playing the Ravens in Baltimore, right? Which the so, Ravens are going to have like three days rest. <laughs> no, they moved the game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's now it's now a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday. So you know, okay. and uh, Washington is taking on the Steelers. So if there's ever a week to not have move a that, starting move quarterback, yeah, right. But I mean, as far as their division goes, right? Because right. at this point, you you kind of have to say, all right, let's let's play for the playoffs, right? right. Might as well. Right. So if there's ever a week where you gotta expect reasonably so at least everyone else in the division is going to go down. Right. Then you sit Daniel Jones. Don't even bother risking it, whether it can get worse or not, because it can always get worse. Sure. We always know it can always get worser. Uh, so sit him down. If you lose, probably everybody loses and you're in exactly the same place. Right. Everybody gets it another would, loss and that's it. It would be nice to see Daniel Jones play against a team other than the Eagles, the Reds, the Washington football team yeah. and the Cowboys and the Bengals. Right. It, it'd be right. nice. Yeah. Let's see what, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll give him credit. I think he's has looked better. He's stopped 
fumbling the ball, which has been good. He's yeah. also has he's also had better protection. Yeah. No, he has. He definitely has. It's and been... the, and this idea that the Giants don't have a good receiving core, I just don't get. They do. They do. They definitely have a good receiving core. Yeah. Um, I, I how many more? Let that that brings me to this question: How many more games do you think it's going to take the Giants, hypothetically speaking, to win the division? One more. Two, I, three. I, I, I only see the Giants winning one more game looking at Look, their schedule. Got, you got Perfect. Arizona, you got Cleveland, you got Baltimore, and you got Dallas. So maybe week and 17. Got, and Ravens. You got the Ravens. Yeah, yeah they, but, they beat Dallas. Right. That's it. Yeah, that, that think, might be what it comes down to. Because I think they can steal a game from either Cleveland or Baltimore. Cleveland or Cleveland or, or Arizona. Or Arizona. One of the, they're, not, they're not beating the Seahawks they're, this weekend. They're, they're not beating Cleveland. Uh, do, you, do you know Cle- what is Cleveland? Eight and two. Eight and three. Yeah. Eight and three. Of the next five games on the Giants schedule, the last five games on the Giants schedule, the, the best record is eight and three by the Seahawks and the Browns. They're, Seahawks and the Browns are both eight and three. I think so, the way Arizona looks, the, the two best chances they have are against the Cardinals and the Cowboys. And the, so let's say they win two games. Let, right. let, let's be optimistic here. So the six and ten. I think six and ten wins you this division. Probably does too. Well, how how did the Ravens look? Because if you can make them one dimensional, you've got a shot. The Ravens haven't looked good in a, in a while. I mean, they haven't looked Raven esque, if you will, for for many yeah, weeks. Yeah, but they point. held they held a pretty good Steelers offense to nineteen points. They were in this game with a guy who hadn't played. And when was the last time Robert Griffin played? Uh, I think he played beginning like of in last a year, minute of. The of, of two games last year at last yeah. minute of the game, like early yeah. last year, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you and you took away the Ravens, not only the Ravens' best player, one of the top five offensive weapons in the league, right? Uh, right. So, and Griffin gave the Steelers six points on a pick six, so they're not beating the Ravens, yeah. I guess not. Uh, <laughs> well, well, that's why I asked because I had no idea what happened. You know what, maybe, maybe, maybe somebody can take Lamar Jackson out for a beer right before the game and. And you know he true <laughs> he has to get uh he has to get quarantined well, again for a and, and, may, and maybe the Giants continue to improve and maybe their defense you know maybe in one or two of these games that the defense can put some points on the board and take a little bit of pressure off the Giants' offense. Sure, I'm not saying it's not possible, but just looking at all of those teams who are now going to be coming into crunch time, playing for not only the playoffs but for home field advantage and you know playoff rankings uh, and. And and there, a lot of those teams are going to be fighting just to get into the playoffs. Even the teams that are eight and three, they're going to be fighting for the division and the wild card and everything else. So uh, these games are going to mean something. And so now you're playing teams that are better than you on paper with something to play for. Now, right. if one of the if for whatever reason, maybe one of those games is a throwaway and it doesn't mean anything, then maybe the Giants get less than the best effort from from one of them. Right. And then maybe right. they have a chance to steal a win. I agree, but but most likely that would not be the Cowboys, although that in that situation might arise where the Cowboys are just so bad they're out of it. But they're certainly not going to come out and play they, lackluster against the Giants. But but they're, they're going to want to be this. Yeah, sure. and the Cowboys are are up and down. You know yeah. they haven't they haven't been horrible every week. Nope. No, they haven't. But they're still the Cowboys, and that's, the game the game is in MetLife. A ringing endorsement for exactly, sure. Exactly. Exactly. You can say that about a got? lot of teams. Well, well it's been horrible every week. <laughs> well, as far as the Ravens game goes, I mean, they uh, beat the Vikings. Of course, this is true. As they only the, they only lost to the Steelers by six points. 
As far as the Ravens game goes, uh, Dave from the Beer Podcast said he'll take Lamar out and challenge him to keep up with him in a bar. So uh, there you go. <laughs> maybe you just got to do it the day before, not like the week uh, I before. Will, I will put my money on David. I've watched that uh, podcast. And <laughs> I yeah, think Lamar has uh, no chance. No chance there. No, none whatsoever. Uh, so MVP uh, of the uh, of that game <laughs> will not be Lamar. So. <laughs> But um, all right. Well, we'll we'll see what happens. I, you know what? I, I think you know you're right. what? I, we 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 can all agree that the Giants are most likely going to win, uh, the the Dallas game. Uh, so that's going to give them a fifth win. Uh, do they do they steal one? They may. You know what? I think you're right though. I think six and ten wins this division. So if they can steal one of those games, there you go. Yeah. And look, they could be playing a meaningful game on the last week of the season in January. And if Dallas, meaningful and, football in January. And if Dallas kind of, you know, holds up their end of the bargain, that could be the deciding uh that could be the decider for the division. So sure. I still think that tie that the Eagles tie is going to it's somehow going to dictate this whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they got to they got to get some wins. Dave Campanell tells me I'm a, st- a trader in a Steelers jersey. The Steelers played today. That's why I'm wearing the jersey there, Dave. Jersey Johnny, get it? You know. So anyway, uh, just wanted to bring that one to everybody's attention. How, about, how much money have you spent on football paraphernalia? Uh, not much. You less than you think. Yeah, they have those <laughs> at Walmart now. That's you got you got the the Steelers five pack at Costco. I got. Wait a minute. Does that say NFI? It says right. NFI. Is that a bootleg? <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's. it's 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 L one O O. It's it's nineteen, but it's got Jack Jack Ham's name on the back. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it says Stoolers up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. You can't really see it well, so it's fine. But uh, anyway. anyway, all right. Well, that brings us to the Jets portion of this uh, podcast. And before we get there, we are going to start our Jets podcast uh, section. Uh, our Jets section of the podcast by uh, calling it, we're deeming it a new section, and this is uh, our, this is our drop for it. The quest for sixteen. There you go. There we go. Very good. That's what the Jets are up to. They're is, that on the, is, that the, is that the new Coldplay single? <laughs> That's, that, was, that was Coldplay, yes. That yeah. was Coldplay. That was uh, actually custom written for this uh, show. Right. Yes, it was. Um, so thank you very much, custom writer. Thank you, Peter Giulio Minetti. There you go. I believe that's his first ever fanfare. That is his first ever fanfare? Yeah, I very think so. Good. Well, kudos, kudos to him. Kudos to him. So, uh, so yeah, how about those Jets? How pretty, about those Jets? Pretty good. They, pretty, they look pretty, pretty good. Pretty good for for the Quest for sixteen. They look pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, at least they're doing what they're supposed to do. At least Trevor Lawrence will go to New York. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Remember, remember, the Jags have the uh, the Jags have the um, tiebreaker. So that's true. Yeah, uh, you know, hey, listen, the, you the know, Jets just need to win one game. Yeah, Harry. You know, I don't think this was a terrible pick last week i mean certainly we could say oh you know it's the jets and the blah 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 but this seemed like i mean the dolphins did not look good no. they were kind was, of flat it was, this was a winnable was game or yeah they definitely yeah, was and they came out pretty strong again they came out pretty strong yeah, yeah. And, and then, then you know donald 
threw across his body a couple of times. And I think he a few weeks ago we talked about Daniel Jones and making yeah. those same mistakes. And I know he's, you know, Donald is putting the world on his shoulders. And, you know, in his mind, the, the way to get it done is for him to be better, for him to be better. But, man, you can't keep doing that kind of thing. You just, now, he's, reg he's, reg he's regressing a little bit, and I think he's just shell-shocked from getting hit so much. I yeah, mean, he's, he, he's on pace to break the record for most sacks and hits, and, I mean, he's just – And then you don't really know how – you know, what, what exactly the shape his shoulder is in. No, you really don't. You, know? you really don't. Um, I, I, I don't think he should have – you know, I mean, <laughs> with the – in the situation they're in right now, I think the only reason they put him back in this game or that game on Sunday, they put they started him in the game on Sunday, is just to showcase whatever they possibly could because they're planning on taking Trevor Lawrence and they want to trade him. So Yeah, they're trying to say, hey, look, we made a mistake. Let us prove it. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. And in that case, he played right into their hands. Right into their hands. Right. Absolutely. But, right into the Dolphins' hands more yeah. accurately. And he had 179 yards, but he had no TDs and two interceptions. And Fitzpatrick only had 257 yards, but he had two TDs and no interceptions. So, Fitzpatrick, uh, Fitzpatrick's a good quarterback. I'm sorry, I say that. I, I, I think the Dolphins look. The Dolphins won 20 to three. What would they have done with a healthy Tua? Who knows? Right. I still go back to you know a couple when we had this discussion two or three weeks ago. I still think the Dolphins are a better team with Fitzpatrick in there right now. Right now. Yeah. Right. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. But let me ask you this. If you're if you're on a trading block, if you're a team looking for a, a quarterback, not a franchise quarterback by any means, but somebody to take in and start immediately for your team that's going to win games for you next year after this year, um, are you are you trading for Sam Darnold or you're trading for Ryan Fitzpatrick? Oh, Fitzpatrick. Right. Yeah. I know you're only going to get a few years out of Fitzpatrick, maybe, and you can have, obviously, a longer time with Sam Darnold, but Who's going to give you instant results? You know, because that's what you're looking for, right? Yeah. When you're trading yeah. for somebody like that. I mean, Fitzpatrick, I think, is trying to play for every team before he retires. So <laughs> he's... he might do it. <laughs> he might do it. Uh, Josh, Josh McCown, I might, I might have something to say about that, yeah. but they're damn close. So, yeah. how many? How many is Fitzpatrick? I mean, it's got to be five teams now, right? Who's that? Fitzpatrick or more? More than that. Yeah, seven. Yeah, I'll look right here while you. I, uh, I could actually see him back on the Jets. Fitzpatrick? I, yeah, I think he could be that elder statesman mentor yeah. for, uh, for Trevor Lawrence if he decides to. I could see that. There. Yeah. yeah. I, be a, Look, probably a good there, move for him. There's no better quarterback the first six weeks of the season than Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's like he's like a yeah. good starting pitcher. You get him in there, you get six out of him, and then you, <laughs> then you, go, <laughs> you, go. you go to the bullpen. It's like he's, he's, go to the bullpen. He's like a lithium, his lithium battery has been run up and down a lot, so it just doesn't That's last right. as long as it really no, should. So no, it's but, uh, but yeah, I could see him back in that role. Yeah. Look, the, the, no, there's nothing about this season that really the Jets are worth talking about. It's all what is going to happen. Are they going to – you know, assuming they get that number one pick, which they still could blow that, uh, although Jacksonville looks like they're much closer to – winning a second game obviously than the Jets are but you never know what's going to happen they could easily blow that but even if they don't sure you, you know what do you do with Donald what do you get for him uh I mean you know, let me let me Trevor pose Lawrence, this question. does Trevor Lawrence perhaps say I'm not going there don't draft me because he could do that he could well, but let, that. let me ask you let me ask you a different side of that question if the Jets do have the first pick and they don't take Trevor Lawrence I mean is are Jets fans just going to revolt, or are they going to sit there and go, "Well, we got Darnold, so we, you know we may as well get whatever." 
if they don't if they don't take if if they don't take Trevor Lawrence with the first pick, they're idiots if they don't trade the first pick and yes. get extra, you know, picks yeah. and Yeah, you know, I mean if that's if they do that and they're gonna have to bring in a coach that the fans are gonna feel is gonna be good for Sam Darnold, because obviously Gase has not been good for anybody. Right. No. Um, and and I think I mean as a Jet fan, I look I haven't given up on Sam Darnold yet because he's still very young. You know, it's, sure. only, it's, it's only his third season, and if a guy's broken after you know two and a half, almost the end of three seasons, Geno Smith. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Well, Geno Smith was Mark never Sanchez. Sam Darnold, never Sam Darnold to begin with, though. True. Um, True. But a, but and, a guy that was Jets quarterback since Ken O'Brien. Yeah, pretty much. But if a guy that was projected to be potentially this good is is done, you know, at this point, um, then maybe he was never going to be that great anyway. But right, I, I, you know, I don't know who you bring in to fix him, but you might be better off just avoiding that problem because that's, that's probably just one more. You know, that's just one more delay in getting good. Now we got to fix our quarterback, so that's sure. going to take a year, and we got to have the right guy to do that. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think. They can't keep Darnold and Gase. Uh, um, one of them has to go. John Donovan says they'll revolt, mass outrage. Yeah, so but then when the game starts, we'll come around and hope for the best, like we always do, because we're idiots. Yeah, well, and, and then, we're, and then and Dave we're said Jets fans are revolting. I'll tell you who would be the best. In more ways than one. <laughs> I'll tell you who would be the best. I get the double end tendry. There you go. Who would be the best <laughs> Jets head coach? And would I think would work wonders with with a Trevor Lawrence, Rich Cotite, Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, I, you know what I was going to say. That's probably where they're and, probably going to wind up going. And it would be a great pick for New York. And I think that would be a signal to the Jets organization that hey, we're gonna we're gonna pick from from a good coaching tree from somebody who's been successful pretty much. Uh, you know, obviously as an offensive. Uh, as a college player, but but who's really worked his way up and understands how the NFL works today and sure. what it takes. I mean, granted, he's got a lot of talent that he's working with in sure. Kansas City, and and more than likely he'll be coming up, uh, coming fresh off his second Super Bowl win in a row but at that point. So, if the Jets, I mean, I, I, I wish there was the Jets would be dumb not to go after him, right? I think there's going to be, you know, this this is my theory. I, I think there might be another team that resides in Florida who might be talking to him once the season's over. Well, it depends. If the Jets steal a win, yeah. Yeah. So, there you go. Uh, and the Jags almost actually stole a win, but we'll get that to that in a second. Um, just just so, just so, to give you a little information that you asked for before, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been on eight teams. Eight. Okay. Eight teams. And Josh McCown has been on 12 teams. 12. 12 teams, yeah. To, that's his total wins as well, isn't 13 it? 13 if you count the Hartford Colonials. Mm. <laughs> but uh, if, if we're just going with NFL teams, 12. <laughs> so, so. I didn't realize he was that old. There you go. Yeah, Josh McCown was drafted in 02, and he's been on 12 teams. So in 18 years, he's been on 12 teams. Yeah, it's not so bad. There you go. The longest, his longest tenure on any team was three years when that was his first team. He was drafted by the Cardinals. So, But that's McCown anyway. Ryan Fitzpatrick. There we go. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, do, 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 four years for the Bills. That was his longest tenure. Yeah. So, but then there you well, go. Well, listen. Uh, it doesn't look good for the Jets the rest of the way out. 
no. necessarily no. as far as their schedule goes. We might have two Week 17 games involving New York slash New Jersey right. teams uh, that actually might have some meaning. Yeah. One, you might be hoping to win if you're a Giants fan. The other, right. you're definitely hoping you lose even against the hated Patriots right. if you're a Jets right. fan. That's going to be – Rooting for the to, Pats. <laughs> I may have to take a sedative and sleep through that Sunday. Yeah, you might, yeah. yeah. Because I don't know how – I, I, I don't think I can actually watch that game. It's, uh, I, I think it's, I, I wouldn't, <laughs> you know, but, or, or maybe you're that excited to see what happens with, with Trevor Lawrence, you know, and, and, and what happens. But let me <laughs> ask you this. Let me ask you this to wrap that up. Do they lose? I'll ask each of you. Do they lose all 16 games? It's very, very possible. I mean, I, I would say there's a greater chance of them losing the rest of their games than winning one. You know, I think there's probably a, 20% chance of them winning a game. Gotcha. Stealing I, a game I, from somebody that's looking past them. Yeah. However, they're the Jets. They're the Jets. That's, and, that's, that's mean, that hand but, signal. But if they're going to, if, if they're they going could to do break, something to ruin getting the first pick, then they'll do it. That would be very right, jets Well, and what would be the most painful way would be beating the Patriots week 17. Right. On a last second, it's like it's just going to be rip the heart out of the chest right. because that's how it'll they be, do it. It'll be yeah, we beat the Patriots. Shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there'll be uh, I, I just it, it'll ha it'll be some fluky play, right? You know, and, and, it, it'll and be a kneel it, kneel down at the goal line and he'll he'll girly it and fall into the end zone. <laughs> exactly. <Right. laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Jets, the Jets lose to the Patriots and two months later trade their first trade the first pick or the second pick in the NFL draft to the. To, the Patriots. To the New England Patriots. <laughs> yeah. For, uh, for uh, uh, seven, seven pounds of Donuts uh, coffee and Dola and, 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 uh, and a bologna sandwich. Lasagna <laughs> and uh, as uh, um, uh, Belichick is fond of saying, some charcuterie. That's some right. Amendola and a tray of charcuterie. charcuterie. There you uh, go. Actually, actually, that's who the backup punter is for the Patriots. Right? Joey Charcuterie. Joey Charcuterie, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're bad. I think they'll lose every game, but man, yeah. uh, I mean, they, it is they, this is a ripe setup for them to they, be. They've, they've got a tough, Yeah, they've got yeah. a tough schedule. Uh, the Patriots probably being, you know, and the Patriots looked pretty good last week. They could be a team also fighting for a, a playoff spot. So yeah, well, I mean, you got you got. Yeah. Raiders, the Seahawks, you got the Rams. I mean, knowing that, be their other winnable game, you got the Browns. They're probably not going to beat the Browns. And then you yeah. got the Pets. Right. And look, New England's looking for a quarterback, too. So, I mean, if Bill Belichick could do it, he'd have Trevor Lawrence in there for week 17 this year. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow he would figure out how to make that work. But don't you think, don't you think for one second that Bill Belichick is going over and over and over again in his mind how the hell he can wind up getting Trevor Lawrence one way or another? Of course. You know? I mean, it's, it's it's definitely happening, and I would not be depending. No matter where that pick falls, I would not be one bit surprised. It would not shock me one bit to see Trevor Lawrence playing for the Patriots next year. It wouldn't shock me. It'd be a tough sell. I don't know if they have enough to offer, really. But yeah. if you he, get somebody who's going to take, you know, first round picks for the next four years or something like yeah. that, if right. they're really going to stretch it out, you might entice. I mean, look, it'll be the Jets or the Jags, right? I think if yeah, I'm Trevor, yeah, if I'm Trevor Lawrence coming from Clemson, I, I, I want to play for the Jags, especially if they can get a new coach. You know, yeah. 
That's true. That's true. But we shall see. We shall, we see. shall see. It's intriguing. It is intriguing. What uh, what for are an, uh, for a team that could go zero and sixteen? Yeah, the right. most intriguing zero and sixteen team in the last fifteen years. They are very. Hey, 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 look! Being a Knicks fan, the most exciting two things that have happened in the last five years is the possibility of them getting the first pick and, ta- and taking. Uh, <laughs> What's his name from Duke, or 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 the 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 fleeting moment that we thought Kevin Durant was going to uh, come there, but no. Instead, the only player drafted from Duke by a New York team was Daniel Jones. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, Dave just said, just look, just looked at the remaining schedule. The Jets are the Jags are not winning another game. No, uh, no they're not. And uh, and John Donovan just said the Jets will never trade the pick to the Pats. Well, I mean, if they win another game, they might not have to. The Jags might. So. But it depends on what the the uh, Pats are going to give him back. So, yeah. Again, if it's if it's Danny Amendola and Joey Charcuterie, you know, they might actually pull the plug on that one and go for it. So, well, this has been our new segment of the Quest for Sixteen. Can't talk about the Jets without. Well, look, at least they have a goal. Yeah, they do. They have something to play for. And there you have it. There we go. So let me ask you, that was your son, uh, and who, whose voice was that? That was me. That was you. I thought so. So actually, I knew that. I was just. It's a, it's a family of. It's a family. <laughs> we, we like. We listen. Anyone, any football team that needs a custom, you're a loser. Fanfare. We are available. You and your son are available. And we have very, very reasonable (laughs) Reasonable rates. (laughs) Got to love it. All right. Well, that brings us to... Spotify royalties are just going (laughs) to kick in any moment. Any minute. Wait wait till you get that 25 cent uh, (laughs) uh, deposit from from CD Baby. It's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) I won't spend it all in one place. Get me started on those assholes. Uh, I don't even want to. Come on. You 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 know you love it, twenty five cents. <laughs> That's it. Oh God, you, you get nothing from these streaming services. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. All right. Well, how about some other games? Uh, the Titans over the Colts, um, forty five to twenty six. Derrick Henry had one hundred and seventy eight yards and three TV three TDs. He's pretty good. Three TVs. He's pretty good. It's Is that, he uh, going to be the MVP? Yeah. Horn that he has that I think could he win the MVP? uh, Have a non-quarterback MVP? It it could be the year. I I think he could, but I I, unfortunately the voting does not seem to go in that direction. It's always a quarterback, really. Um, We got to check and see who the last non-quarterback was to win the MVP. Um, But but yeah, no, it was just a crazy game for Derrick Henry. But I mean, Rivers had actually had a better game than Tannehill did. Tannehill only had a 221 yards with a TD and, and no picks. Rivers had 295 yards, two TVs. He, I keep saying TVs. <laughs> two TDs and one. He only had two. only had one pick. Um, but, again, he, Rivers had a better game than him. But, I mean, seriously, which team is better? I mean, they, they the, the Colts go into Tennessee and beat the Titans. The Titans go into Indianapolis and beat the Colts. You know, where, where it's it? just the schizophrenic nature of the league this year. It's it's like the Ra- the Raiders almost you know they, they're world beaters. Then they take a dump. You know, it's just yeah. with the exception of Kansas City and the Steelers, every team has had one or two or three games where they've just been like, "How did you lose that?" Right. 
And now the Packers yeah. look like world beaters again. You know, the Seahawks, they beat the Eagles. Wow. You know, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, not impressively. Though. Not impressive. No, not at all. Hmm. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, the Vikings, the Vikings just squeaked by the Panthers. Three, three minutes into the Tampa Bay Bucks game, you know, every everybody on the radio because I was listening to it on on the radio right. uh, was just like, "Oh my god, this is!" And then you know, and they wound up losing by three, mm-hmm. you know, and they had a chance to win it. So I mean, it's just like, come on. Uh, yeah, I mean, does this really give anybody a great degree uh, more confidence in um, in the Titans or conversely, uh, oh, well, the Colts, they're really not that good. I mean, it's, we kind of think the same thing about each, each of these teams. It's just, the tit- the it was tit- a good week for one and a bad week for the other. Last year, the Titans sort of went on a heater at the end of the, uh, at the end of the season. And this sort of, this game had remnants of that. Of that. Yeah, definitely. You know, feed Derrick Henry, their defense sort of stepped up and enough ball control passing to, to win. They've got the talent to do it. They 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 can win some games. I think Tennessee's a better team than um than the Colts are. Our resident uh our resident uh stats looker upper. Uh Adrian Peterson in twenty eleven. I, I knew it was Peterson. I didn't know what year it was. Yeah. Last non quarterback to win the yeah. MVP award. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. But uh yeah, it's uh, that's, because, that's because he he not only led the league in rushing and was the Vikings most uh, uh, you know, dominant player, but he was also the the second leading scorer on the Timberwolves that year. <laughs> he was, he was stat that gets uh, buried a lot. Yeah, yeah, it does get buried. He didn't start, but he came in and like within a, you know five right. minutes of the start of the game and came in off the bench. A lot, lot of traveling <laughs> violations, but other than that, he was <laughs> other than, uh, but uh, yeah, no, like I said, and the Vikings they just squeaked by the Panthers twenty eight to seven, uh, twenty seven. Uh, but they went. They started the season one and five, and they went four and one in their last five, and they're now in second place in the yeah. division. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Packers should win that division, but yeah, I, don't but think, I pa- think the I don't Vikings think are better the than the Bears. You know, yeah, so. yeah I, I guess if anybody's stock, did the Bears stock drop the most? Yeah, based on yeah. this past week. I mean, yeah, kind of going. Yeah, they. I mean, they're, they're done. Not good. I think yeah, the, pa- the Packers, the, the Packers just ran all over him. It was forty-one twenty-five, and it really wasn't even that close. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Rodgers only had two hundred and eleven yards, but he had four TDs. The running game was like crazy. They had one hundred and eighty yards on the ground, over one hundred and eighty yards on the ground. Yeah, uh, was, Aaron Jones had. He was efficient. He was very efficient. Here's some stats for you, uh, Packers Bears. Uh, I'm going to throw these at you really quick. Packers Bears all time record. Uh, they they've played two hundred and one games. Packers and Bears. Uh, the Packers are leading it. 100 to 95. They had six ties. Um, at one point, the Bears led the series 81 games to 57 games. Green Bay's gone 43 and 14 since. <laughs> so and in, in that good. in that span, there has been 19,612 heart attacks at, at either Lambeau Field or Soldier Field. <laughs> or Soldier Field, right? Exactly. Yes, yes. and uh, 17 1700 uh, sausage choking incidents. Yeah, I was going to say each one of those <laughs> heart per attacks. Sunday. Each one one of those heart attacks was accompanied by a crushed uh, sausage and pepper sandwich. And a a, a fallen cheese hat. Absolutely. Um, But Aaron Rodgers' record versus the Bears, he's 18-5 with 48 TDs and 104 quarterback rating. Yeah, he's pretty good. I mean, this just in, he's pretty good. This just in. This just in, Aaron Rodgers is pretty good. Um, And speaking of pretty good, Aaron Rodgers has thrown 10 interceptions in 43 games since 2018. Conversely, Tom Brady has thrown 11 interceptions in 12 games this year. So um, now, granted, 
you know, that's this year. And they're not the same quarterback. But Aaron Rodgers, only 10 interceptions in 43 games in the last three years. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, but, you know, the thing about um, Brady and this offense is, like, they're not – they have a lot of talent, but they're not really doing what he does best like they used to in New England. They're the they're, Clippers. They're, they're the Clippers. They're blowing downfield a lot, and that's not really his best game. Twenty twelve, uh, which twenty twelve, he was wrong. Me. Sorry, oh, there we go. Adrian Peterson, twenty twelve, not twenty eleven. Sorry, thanks, Dave. Well, that's go why. Do, why do we even do a show? Um, <laughs> but but, uh, but you know, I don't I don't understand what Bruce Arians is is doing. Like, what you you've got the goat right, and right. you've got talent. Why are you not playing into that and? Are, Putting him in, the, in that best position to do what he does well. I'm going to go out on a on a little bit of a limb here and say that the Bucks don't have the best coaching staff. Because That's fair to say, who, who goes into a game against Kansas City and says, "You know what? I'm going to I'm going to start the game playing man to man defense against Tyreek Hill, and after he scorches me for two touchdowns, I'm going to continue to play that same man to man defense." Right. Right. Yeah. I mean. Look, and I'm going to throw deep a lot with Tom Brady. Yeah, Tyreek Hill had 203 yards receiving in the first quarter. Yes, Tom <laughs> Brady doesn't have his usual, you know, guys you never heard of before coming out of the backfield for eight yard passes 20 times a game. Mm-hmm. That's you know that's what he needs. It's that California offense. That they need he needs to dump it off to open up the vertical game. They, and look, he hit. Evans, I mean, he, he, it wasn't like he had a horrible game. Yeah, he threw two picks. That's great. They're, the the Bucks the Bucks defense just put the offense in a hole, and yeah. and 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 they're not the team that's going to come back from twenty points down and win a game. They almost uh, did. They almost did. Yeah. Here's an interesting stat for you: in the air between both teams, between the Chiefs and the Bucks. 807 yards passing. <laughs> I heard it was over 800 <laughs> the other day. What the, that's insane. It's like the Dolphins and the Chargers in like 83, you know? <laughs> 807 yards. Yeah. Mahomes had 462. Brady had 345. It's ridiculous. Yeah, those are those are pretty good uh pretty good fantasy numbers there. Uh, you think? Yeah. That was crazy. Crazy. But but yeah, that's uh, that's the uh, that, that's the way the NFL is right now. I mean, the, I, I the, really quick on the cards. What, what's up with the cards? You know, people are, I mean, people are starting to figure them out. You know, I, I think that's got to be the reason. I think they're I mean, game planning against Murray a little better, and uh, they're, they're keeping him, trying to keep him in the pocket and making him throw to take advantage of the fact that you know if you put people in his face, especially six foot four defensive linemen with their hands up, he's not as effective. Right. And um, and he's a rookie. He's a rookie. So yeah. you know, you you throw adversity at him, and it's going to fluster him sometimes. I mean, look, everybody was talking about him as an MVP runaway three weeks ago. So he's he's a, he's a hell of a player, and I think he's exceeded a lot of people's expectations for where he's at right now. But um, then, I, I, I think the cards are just one of those teams that you just—they're the cards. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for them to continue to be successful, you're going to have to fine-tune their game plan a little bit more to, to fit around what he does well. They're, they're, they're the Colts. They're the, you know, there's a lot of teams that f- fall into that category of, who knows? 
Yeah. Who will the real fill in the blank please show up? You don't know. I would so, almost put the Seahawks into that, but they're a Seahawks, little bit better than that. The they're Seahawks, a little bit better. yeah, the Seahawks, the Rams, the the Titans, the the, the Colts. I mean, there's a list of about ten teams that fall into that category. You know what? There's 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 a couple of teams at the top. There's a there's a handful of teams at the bottom. Most of them in the NFC East, and then everybody else is just hey, who who's going to win the last game? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Although, I mean, with the Seahawks, you could say, well, there's a little bit of a history of success there, you know, recent success. So at least they, they kind of have, and, you know, having a veteran quarterback obviously helps. And that, you know, we've been here before, we've been through adversity before. Right. Arizona, you know, has had, I guess, some success recently, but not with Kyler Murray. Right. So it's a little bit of a, of a taller hill to, to climb yeah. over there. Sure. Sure. But, and speaking of the Seahawks, uh, yeah, know they, they beat the Eagles, and it was twenty three seventeen. But that, let's let's look at that really quick. There's been a big question in the last couple of days. I've been listening to this since the game on Monday night, um, from people betting on the game. The line was six and a half. There was twelve seconds left in the game when Wentz heaved the ball into the end zone, and that ridiculous ricochet catch they made and caught and scored the touchdown. Now they were at that point they were down eight. All right. Normally, rule of thumb has to tell you, okay, well, first of all, 12 seconds left. Even if you get the ball back on the onside kick, you're not scoring another touchdown in 12 seconds. But let's try it. we got to try it, right? Otherwise, we're losing anyway. So rule of thumb's got to tell you, kick the field, kick the extra point, make it a seven-point game, and then go on to the, uh, go on to the onside kick. They went for the two-point conversion, and he just and, – and Sanders just waltzed into the end zone on the two-point conversion, making the score a six-point difference. You know, I mean, obviously, everybody that was betting on the game was like throwing up red flags. What the hell? What the hell? <laughs> you know, it was a six and a half point was the line. You know, I, I you know, I, I'm obviously not taking any conspiracy. Pete, Pete this, Rose wasn't really playing, weird. so I don't think there's anything <laughs> shady going on. <laughs> the players don't give it. They, they don't. What, what have, was, those guys what, don't know what the What was Doug Peterson's I, I, point of, I mean, I know he just, all he wants is two-point conversions. If he could do a two-point conversion from the 50-yard line on a fourth down, right. he's going to do it, you know. But it just made no sense to do that then, you know. It, it almost makes you, like, think, hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, I think his thought process is, is that if you if you get the two point conversion, if by some miracle you score, you win. Right. Unless he just wanted, unless he was just helping all the Philly fans that bet on Philly. <laughs> you know, if he if he makes this a two point conversion, they Trust all me, won. Philly fans were not betting on Philly. This is true. <laughs> well, the smart ones, anyway. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> certainly interesting to kind of look at it because you're right. If you just kind of do the math, barring a miracle. It, yeah, and it made uh, no it doesn't sense. really do anything for you. Yeah, if they were nine points down, of course, I understand, I get it, definitely. But you know, it made no sense to do that then. So, but, yeah. and uh, and look, you you could have that you know sort of that same decision, if you will, uh, if you do get the the miracle touchdown, and then right. you go, all right, well, now we go for two and get the win instead of you know kicking the extra point. Right. Well, yeah, that's what everybody was saying on the on 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 the game that night, but. Uh, right, it but just I mean, didn't make get, any sense to me. Yeah, you know? I think people don't have enough to do. Yeah, this is what they're. I, I mean, it's yeah. just that that was kind of a boring game. Oh, it was definitely in the beginning yeah. of the game. I was like, I, I literally turned and started watching this paint dry on the side over of the side of the wall. But uh, that was it, more it, interesting. You know, on on first take in the morning on ESPN, they've been for whatever reason they've been talking about Carson Wentz and the Eagles all the time. Yeah, and you know, and and look. 
both he and the Eagles have kind of fallen from grace. This was a team that won a Super Bowl just a few years back. Right. Uh, yeah, but he didn't win it for them. <laughs> no, and I don't think they would have won it w- had he not been hurt. Absolutely not. They so, would I not mean, have won that game without Nick Foles. Look, they would not. He, he doesn't. I, I don't know. He looked pretty good before he got hurt. Yeah. Well, but, uh, that's my point. Is that I mean, he's really fallen from being in contention for an MVP a couple years ago. Is, is this all Wentz? Is this is this the offensive line and the coaching and the talent? Or is it a combination of both? Because I, Wentz just seems like he is, A, granted, he's under pressure a lot, and he doesn't have the, the, the weapons he once had. Right. But he just seems like a guy who's, again, regressed. He's just making bad mistakes. Yeah, he really is. And he's the most sacked quarterback in the league. And part of that is, I understand. If, that's if not his if fault. But well, sometimes it is. Some though. of it is. Some of it is. Sometimes some it is. is. You got you, And that's, that's coaching as well. You got to run an offense where you can get the ball out of the guy's hands real quick. Right. But, uh, yeah, the Eagles are just bad. Yeah, that's definitely the question that's been bouncing around is how much is it him and, and how much is it the, the offensive line and how much is it the play calling, like you just said, that doesn't get the ball out of his hands and yeah. he ends up taking a sack. And how much of it is him not getting the ball, you know, throwing it away when he has an opportunity and ends up taking a sack, trying to do too much, which uh, it's always, I think, whatever the percentage and – I, I certainly wouldn't be able to break it down, but whatever that kind of percentage is, it always is going to, I think, look worse for the quarterback. Yeah, yeah. of course. Especially when you were great. And they go, well, well, I mean, you, signed, he, you signed a huge contract. and Right, uh, right. And they go, well, know. he was the guy who, you know, when he had all the weapons around him, he was great. Well, that that's probably a, a bunch of guys. Yeah. You could be great when you have a good line and you have a lot of weapons. Look, around look Aaron Rodgers is really good. If you put Aaron Rodgers on the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm sorry. <laughs> He'd be he'd be putting up numbers. I mean, I'm not saying he'd be better than Mahomes, but in some ways, I think his passing yards would. Yeah. Yeah. Could could be. I mean, but, imagine what, imagine what, Aaron Rodgers with Travis Kelce, that offensive line, that that coach, that offensive scheme, and Tyreek Hill and the seven Pro Bowl running backs that they have, and the other two. I mean, come on. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's. Uh, it, I would it, love to see it. It's interesting to think about. I, I, I think in some, I, I think to some degree, uh, though, Aaron Rodgers is the mature version of uh, Patrick Mahomes. You know, well, he's not. He, I mean, he's mobile. Don't get me wrong. Rodgers yeah. is, I think, the best balance of being able to run, get out, get out of pressure, and get rid of the ball. Right. Um, and 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 obviously, he's a lot older than Mahomes. But I, I think Mahomes is is a better athlete, and and a, and is becoming one of the you know, a better, uh, one of the best passers of all time, but he's not quite the pure passer that Rogers is. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if we, you know, 15 years from now, if we redo our top 10 quarterbacks, you might have Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes creep further up that list. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I agree. I mean, it's, it's all about Mahomes staying healthy and if he can keep this talent around him, I mean, yeah. Scary. I agree. I agree. It's it scary. scary. Well, might be a great age to watch football. At least it might if you're be a, a Kansas City fan. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So, right, should we uh, should we maybe do some picks now? Sure. Yeah. Let's, let's do some out. picks. Beaten by the coin. Beaten by the coin. I'm sure I'll lose to the coin. No one wants to be beaten by the coin. All right. Well, 
Gosh, I got to do the math on the fly here. Quick recap of last year. We had uh, last year, last week, we had seven <laughs> games. Uh, congratulations to you there, Johnny. We know you're going to win. Uh, seven and oh. So, Pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, it is impressive. So when you got uh, the Giants and Jets as two of them, though, you know, although you did pick the Giants to win. They picked the Giants to win. Well, we all picked the Giants to win. Yeah, so. yeah we did. We all got that. Um, so uh, Johnny now is at uh, 38 and 8. And is pretty much running away from this. I, I got uh, I give credit to the gnome back there. He's the uh, he's, <laughs> he's the brains behind the outfit. Harry, your only loss. Uh, good week for you. Your only loss was the New York. Yeah, Jets. I could have. You know. Oh well, I had to take a chance. Six and one. Listen, six you're, you're twenty-eight and eighteen now, and that's a uh, that's a. Um, so you were. So you, yeah. So now you're. Uh, yeah, you're in good shape actually. Uh, yours truly lost with Dallas. Goddamn Cowboys. Uh, so I'm uh, 31 and 15, and the coin went four and three. So uh, 25 and 21 now. Very so a little, a little farther over 500 for the coin, but uh, you Harry, you made up some ground. and Yeah, only three behind you. Yeah, yeah. and uh, ahead of the coin, so... Yeah, which well, is, put some where, distance between you and the coin, which, which is, is really all I care about. <laughs> That's all any of it. Well, Donnie <laughs> doesn't have to worry about it, but um, yeah, so uh, pretty good week for all of us. There you go. And Boo so, Coin. Dude, I I think I was I did not make my own picks the first week, and I think it was not a good select. I think the coin picked for me on the first week. So yeah, I I think it was like two and I think it was two and three, two, two and three, three. Yeah. two and three. Yeah. Oh yeah, we had five picks that week. I wasn't so I mean yeah. So. Probably could be, could be a game or two higher. Yeah, could be. Hmm. could be the difference between you and I at the end of the could season. Could be right there. Absolutely. Week week one slash three. Week one. All right, so uh, let's look at uh, these upcoming uh, games. We got the Raiders at the Jets. I think we know who everyone's picking there. Anybody want to take the Jets, Harry? You want to pick the Jets? Nope. I, I've done my service to the Jets, <laughs> Karma, and I'm I'm done. Raiders uh, coming off a big dump, so you got to think they're going to rebound, and they're oh, playing they, yeah. the Jets, and the Jets are terrible. So, all right, we all. Oh, I got to get the coin. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see if the coin is bold and likes. The color green. Coin says tails. Coins with us. Which is the away team, so we all vote go for the Raiders. All right. Uh, Giants at uh, the Seahawks. Uh, I'll let you guys pick this one, being the Giant fans that you are. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm going to go with Seattle. Yeah, I don't think you. I, don't, I, I think you got to go with the Sea Chickens on this one. Yeah, it's uh, intriguing, but. Um, yeah, I mean, between I, I, I think with Daniel Jones in there, they, they, it would have been, they would have been hard pressed to, to, to play a good game. But with with Colt McCoy in there, yeah, you got to, you got to go Seahawks. Yeah, Colt Seahawks, Seahawks, Colt McCoy. They, you know, when you name a kid Colt McCoy, he's either, he's either going to be a quarterback or a porn star, <laughs> or both, or a rancher. Yeah. What was that? Pew 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 pew. All right, uh, coins his heads. So they like, taking uh, Seahawks too. All right, so there we go. Um, the football team versus the Steelers. Uh, football hmm. team, and this is uh, this, this, this would be the the game that the Steelers lose. Now, remind, remember, this is also a uh, this is also a uh, Monday afternoon game, and it was from a Sunday day game. So uh, we we wind up with an extra pick this week because yeah. of scheduling. So there you go. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, well, I'll I'll take uh, I'll take the Steelers. Steelers. You think? 
Yeah, Steelers. <laughs> okay. And the coin says... Coin says heads. Steelers. There we go. So, so far, boring and all in agreement. Well, boring and all in agreement. All right. Buffalo visits the West Coast to take on them 49ers, who, boy, talk about a team that is up and down. Yeah, really. Uh, they're still not completely healthy, right? The 49ers. So, no. Nah. Buffalo, mm, you got to, you got to, I think you got to give it to them, right? They, they're for real. Yeah. I, I mean, the way they played last week and the last couple weeks, actually. All right. Uh, Anybody want the, the Niners? Going once? No. I don't Going think so. twice. All right. Come on, coin. Coin says heads. Oh, they're ready. Like uh, no, no, team. No. no. The coin says, coin's, coin's taking the Niners. Coin says, I'll take the Niners. And then we got the uh, Cowboys against them Ravens in Cowboys Baltimore. And that was, then that was supposed to be tomorrow night, and now it's going to be Monday night. Now it's going to be Monday night. Uh, boy. Is, do we know who's playing quarterback for the, uh, for the Ravens? Is, it, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that. The, the protocol's four days, right? Yeah. Something so, like that, yeah. So he should. So Lamar Jackson should be back in by then. I think if Lamar Jackson plays, there's the the Ravens have to win this game. Honestly, I think if RG three plays, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, the Ravens are home. They're in Baltimore. They're not in Dallas. So yeah, and and Dallas just hasn't had enough. No. Uh, you know, we're talking about up and down. Well, a good game. They haven't had enough of those good games. Right. And we said how look 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 how the Ravens with RG three played uh, the Steelers today. You know, yeah, which is obviously a much better team than the Cowboys at this point. All right, so Baltimore it is. I will not take the Cowboys. And the coin says heads, so uh, they like the Ravens. There we go. Well. We missed so the game. Coin's got which other? What? Which? What? Who? Chiefs Broncos. When is that being played? Sunday night. Yeah, oh. you, I got. I'm getting fitted for my. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to play quarterback as number 10.5. Is that it, uh, in, um, it's in Kansas City? And, uh, in Kansas City, okay. So does anybody want the Broncos? <laughs> hmm. Interesting. I could pick up a game here. I'll just By put taking a the Broncos? No. I'll just put K's for all of us. There you go. And then... Here we go, coin. One more chance to be a hero. It comes up tails. So they're going with they're going with the Broncos. Look the coin's that. got more faith in your hometown team than you do, Mr. Well, Bugnuts. Well, you know what? He's taking the Chiefs, but he's playing quarterback. So that's right. Oh, yeah, that's I'm gonna make sure the Chiefs cover the spread. Don't worry. <laughs> there you go. Take the under as well. <laughs> so, well. Well, maybe the Chiefs cover the cover the over themselves. Just some pick sixes, yeah. There I gotta throw go. a touchdown one way or the other, probably to a Chiefs player. To a Chiefs player, yeah. <laughs> all right, so there we go. So the yeah. coin's got two we're we're all in lockstep, so none of us are going anywhere with respect we're, to each other. With respect to each other, we have six picks that are all the same. Yeah, and there's really no reason for Harry or I to pick anyone other than who you pick because <laughs> <laughs> There's no way we're catching you, so we're all just better off maintaining and hope that the coin does things like it did this week, right. picking the Broncos against Kansas City, and then we just get farther away from <laughs> from uh, the quarter here. Well, they pick the uh, Broncos, and they pick the Niners too. Those are the two. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh, 
That's our that, that's that our not, that Niners game. Good, that Niners game. They're one of those teams, the Niners. I can't figure them out. I don't that, even know. That could be a win for them, definitely. Uh, yeah. And I just I don't even know who's playing anymore for them. It's just like yeah, who's hurt, funny. who's on COVID protocol. I mean, I don't know. Exactly. I mean well, well, there you go. Beaten by the coin. Those are our picks. Very nice. Beautiful. Don't Very put nice. any money on anything, folks. No, 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 no. no don't no, listen no. to us. Don't well, unless, us. well, listen. If you can find a bet without the spread, just pick who John picks. Yeah. <laughs> the guy still got less than ten losses, and we're in week. That's right. Thirteen for crying out loud. Yeah, or week ten for us. But it, we but, start till week but he is picking the Giants and Jets every week. This is true. Yeah. Giants, Jets, and national games that are pretty much gimmies. So as, as we all are. So. Yeah. I'm 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 no uh, I'm no Kreskin, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you're doing a little better than Terry Bradshaw. This is true. This is true. I do. I do put I do put my uh, hat on that one. So, all right, folks, why don't we uh, jump into our uh, segment of top tens? We're going to do our top tens this week. Top ten linebackers we're doing this week. Top ten linebackers in NFL history. Uh, we have. Uh, Normally, we have 10 for you. Sometimes we have 11 because we have a 10A and 10B. Today, we have 12 for you. So you're just going to have to listen and find out why. So we're going to kick it off with number 10. And I think Harry's going to start us off with number 10. Number 10 is Mr. Chuck Bednarik, who uh, was maybe the quintessential football player (laughs) in the early days of the NFL. I think he played his entire career with the uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. He was a two time NFL champion, eight time Pro Bowler, ten times for, ten time first team, and he was part of the NFL's fiftieth, seventieth, and one hundredth anniversary all time team. He he was a guy who kind of invented the, the system. He was uh, his parents were Slovak immigrants. He lived in you know lived was born and lived in Pennsylvania. And uh, I think he worked for Bethlehem steel. Uh, I mean, while he was playing for the Eagles. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was, I mean, he's famous for one of the most vicious hits, I think in the history. And look, he was, he was a big dude. He was six, three, 240 pounds, which for linebackers back in the day um, was, was pretty, pretty impressive. He was the first player drafted in the 1949 NFL draft. And he played both offense and defense. He played center and linebacker. Yeah, he played yeah. center. I mean, that's yeah. You get beat up in that position. Yeah, he, yeah. And and he was a member of the the, the Eagles NFL championship teams in '49 and '60. So I mean, he kind of at the beginning and somewhat towards the end of his career. And uh, yeah, he he was uh, he he was just one of those guys who, when you think of tough. Old school football. I think his name just comes up uh, immediately. And as far uh, one of the best, I think one of the best players during that era of the NFL, and certainly I think the best linebacker of that time frame, without a doubt. I I totally agree. Uh, Concrete Charlie. Concrete Concrete Charlie. Charlie, Yeah. Yeah, the great. epitome of the old school. Right. Yeah. Defensive great. guy. No question. Yeah. I don't think I'd want to. Yeah. Yeah meet up with him anywhere at any time <laughs> would not <laughs> he's uh, just he just looked uh, there's only one other guy on this on this list who, who i think was was as intimidating looking just yeah. yeah you ever see his you ever see his hands 
No, I've, I've never, I've never seen his hands. I've, totally, I've, totally, yeah. Pictures, I totally, uh, like fingers all broken. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. 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 He was. Yes. Uh, I mean, and didn't miss any playing time. Nope. Because of that. Nope. He just broke his like, finger. Yeah, and kept I just playing. Broke, broke two fingers on that last play. Yeah. Well, you got to go snap the ball. Uh, you got eight more. Yeah. <laughs> I got to go back to work at the steel plant. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, he he the the famous hit was against Frank Gifford of the oh, Giants, yeah. and he knocked him out of football for a year and a half. Frank Gifford was out like on the ground, just not moving. <laughs> just done. Uh, yeah, year and a half. It was uh, it was such a vicious hit. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So. But there you go, number ten, <laughs> Chuck Bednarik. Um And he sold he sold concrete. That's why he's called Concrete Charlie. He sold concrete in the off season. There you go. Well, he drank it. Yeah, he drank, <laughs> he drank it. concrete. <laughs> All right. All right, Pete. Why don't you give us Why don't you give us nine B? Nine B. James Harrison. Um, yeah, pretty. Pretty good guy. I spent a, a number. Let's see, had one, two, three different stints with the Steelers, and that's where he's, of course, best known. Uh, two thousand two, uh, and then from 04 to twelve, and then from twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen. Spent uh, two thousand thirteen in Cincinnati, and then uh, finished up uh, at the uh, end of his career with uh, New England. So four times to the Pro Bowl. Uh, excuse me, four times in All Pro, five times to the Pro Bowl. Uh, two Super Bowl wins, a 2008 NFL Defensive Player of the Year, and of course, uh, I think he's still the Steelers' all-time sack leader with uh, 84 and a half and the 100-yard interception uh, during Super Bowl 43, which is uh, still, I think, the longest defensive play in uh, Super Bowl history. So, yeah, and yeah, boy, that that was just an amazing thing. If you got to watch that live, you should feel privileged because it's just it was a spectacle, and one of those you know you were you were either uh, uh, rooting against him and going, why can't someone tackle this giant, or you were rooting for him, going, come on, another four yards. It was a really, I mean, an impressive feat, uh, especially for a guy of his size. James Harrison was uh, kind of uh, not one of a kind, but uh, of a rare mold, let's say. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, definitely was a rare mold, and I think one of the youngest guys on our list too. Uh, yeah, if not yeah. the uh, actually the youngest guy on our list too. And uh, when we have, but yeah, he was uh, definitely intimidating looking, and it uh, looks like actually an actor. <laughs> um, uh, what's it called? That's been in a few movies. I forget. I was trying to, I was trying to think of who it was, but yeah, no, just. Crazy, crazy good numbers. Uh, the first year, I mean, his first stint with the Steelers was his first year he was drafted, but um, this is undrafted. It was a walk-on, right? If I recall. I think so. Um, I think yeah, right. I think that's right. Yeah, and he didn't he didn't play much, and he went to the Ravens for a year, and then he, uh, he uh, not even, uh, went to the Ravens and was on the practice squad, and then he uh, was on the um, rain fire uh, from NFL Europe, uh, went over there and played the rest of O three, and then he came back to the Steelers, and that's when he shined. So, but yeah, James uh, James Harrison, number nine B on our list. I'll do number nine A. Number nine A is none other than Mister Ray Nitschke. Ray Nitschke, Raymond Ernest Nitschke. You know me and my uh, middle names. Raymond Ernest Nitschke. Uh, he was uh, drafted in the third round. With the 36 pick overall in 1958 draft by the Green Bay Packers, played his whole career with the Green Bay Packers, won two Super Bowls, one and two, obviously. 
Five-time NFL champion prior to the Super Bowls, uh, 61, 62, and 65 through 67, the last one being, of course, the year they went to the first Super Bowl. Uh, made one Pro Bowl in 64. Uh, he's a two-team, two-time first-team All-Pro, five-time second-team All-Pro. He's a member of the 50th anniversary team, 75th anniversary team, the uh, NFL's 60s All-Decade team. Uh, he's a member of the... Uh, Green Bay Hall of Fame is number 66, is retired, and he's a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, of course. Um, yeah, he's just, you know, he, in in college, he actually lost four teeth during a game. Um, just just gone <laughs> uh, out of his uh, out of his mouth. Four teeth during a game. He his uh, the dental plan was different back then. That definitely de- definitely different back then. Uh, you know, he was, he was such violent hits and just a tough, tough, tough player. Uh, you know, and he was he was good too. He he intercepted and uh, intercepted passes and recovered fumbles. Uh, you know, so he wasn't just a, just a tackling machine, but just a crazy tough, 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 tough player. You know, from that era back then, uh, late fifties into the sixties, and and just just crazy. So those those Green Bay teams were insane back then with defense. So. Yeah, well, there you go. Number 9A, Ray Nitschke. Harry, why don't you bring us to number 8? Number 8 is none other than Mr. Ted Hendricks, who was a four-time Super Bowl champion, started his career with the Baltimore Colts, won a Super Bowl, Super Bowl five with the Baltimore Colts, and then proceeded to win three more Super Bowls with the Oakland Raiders. And he was drafted as a defensive end, converted – um to a linebacker and he was one of the one of these guys who sort of reinvented the position a little bit he was a he was big for a linebacker he was super tall he was a great pass rusher but he was able to drop back and he had great lateral movement for a big guy and again was just one of those really hard-nosed football players who uh was seemed to be around forever it's like he played in three eras almost and uh, it was part of the NFL's 75th anniversary all-time team and 100th anniversary all-time team and part of the 1970s and 80s all-decade team. So, uh, yeah, and, and a hell of a college player as well. He's just one of these guys who, when you think of the 70s and even the early 80s, he was he was just one of those players who was one of the best to ever play the position. The stork. The stork. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, I would say his height never seemed like a novelty. I mean, he was obviously tall for a linebacker, but like Ed Too Tall Jones, you know, right. that was very noticeable and very, you know, very much a part of who he was, or at least, you know, in the, uh, on the, by the, the broadcast teams and stuff. Sure. But uh, Hendricks was just, yeah, he's tall, but he was just so darn good that it was never really the focus. Yeah, he was. I mean, I remember him. Look, I mean, I remember him kind of being. Uh, he looked like a big tight end playing. He looked like Rob Gronkowski playing linebacker. Yeah. yeah. But it was his arm, his wingspan. I mean, I, I bet his wingspan was probably close to seven foot. He just seemed to always. I just picture him playing in in Oakland Coliseum with those arm pads you know, <laughs> on, just yeah. knocking down every pass anybody ever tried. Hand up. Yeah, end up. That's it. It was yeah. crazy. He, he he was a hell of a tackler too. Yeah, yeah he was a, a great reason to be 
you know, a Raiders fan, even if they weren't, you know, if they were like your secondary team, right? That would, I mean, that was yeah. the glory days, and there were a lot of people in this country, no matter where they lived. You might have been a fan of Team X, but you were also a fan of the Silver and Black. And right. Hendricks is one of those guys that you could point to and go, "That's one of the reasons why." Yeah, and and, and also like you know, it's like it, it it's almost like you crossed over. It's like an old school player in the new school era back in the early '80s. You know, you know, playing. Uh, you know, from the sixties to, uh, to the eighties. Uh, he played you know, a long time and, you know, he, he, he moved from strong side to, to, to weak side linebacker. The Raiders went from a four, three to a three, four, which I think helped him a little bit, um, you know, longevity wise, but he, yeah, he, he had a good, he had a long career, but 69 to 83, I guess it's, I mean, it's, it seemed longer though, for some reason. It and again, seemed longer, yeah. it was three. I mean, he played in three decades. Maybe that's why. This is probably why. Yeah. So, well, there you go. And, and yeah, and rough too. Oh, a much, a much rougher game. Those were. I don't, they were. They were. <laughs> we always talk about yeah, the old school yeah. players that you know that is that is the equivalent of maybe like a you know like a sixteen year career for a linebacker yeah. these days. Yeah, the, which would the, be a really long time. The busiest person on the Raiders back then was their uh, parole officer, <laughs> <laughs> and the, yeah, and their lawyer. And those, yeah. those of you listening were not lying. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So anyway, all right. Number eight, Ted Hendricks. All right, um, Pete, why don't you tell us who number seven is? All right, number seven. You might be sensing something of a pattern here. Uh, the team with the greatest linebackers of all time. I think you could say the Steelers. You could probably uh, say that. Yeah, I think. Uh, and this guy was one of them, Jack Ham, uh, with Steelers from uh, seventy-one to eighty-two, his whole career. Eight times an All-Pro, eight times to the Pro Bowl. One, two, three, four championships. Uh, part of the Steel Curtain defense. Uh, 75 Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Hall of Fame uh, in 1988 and on the NFL 100 uh, All-Team, as well as a couple others, I think. Um, fast. Uh, could do pretty much everything. One of the com most um, well-rounded or complete uh, you might say linebackers that probably that ever played the game. Uh, a guy who forced a lot of turnovers too. I think 52 or 53 turnovers throughout his career. And uh, a big reason um, why the uh, steel curtain uh, was as great as they were. And a nasty looking guy, just a guy <laughs> you didn't want to go anywhere near. Uh, <laughs> he looked cute compared to his partner let's, in crime though. Let's look well, at him again. There you go. <laughs> yeah, he was, I guess he was the handsome one. Well, he had more teeth. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that I mean, um, I, I think one of the top two linebacking chorus in the you know in the history of the of the NFL. Oh that. yeah, and and maybe the best. People talk about the Bears defense in '85, but that's those steel that Steelers defense. That Steel Curtain was insane. It was just, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I think they're the second best linebacking core of all time. I, I do think the the '80s Giants linebacking core of Banks and Reason. Carson and Taylor were better, but those uh, that that's the Steelers teams were incredible. Yeah, they were they they're the top one and two as far as I'm concerned, definitely. So, well, there you go. Agreed. Absolutely. Number seven, Jack Ham. I'll take number six. Number six is none other than Mr. Dick Butkus. 
Take Butkus. Richard Marvin Butkus, to be exact. Of course. And we're going to be formal about it. Look at that. Nothing says linebacker more than that. Right there. He, just, he left enough room in his face mask just so somebody can punch him if they wanted to. <laughs> and and he wanted them to. That's <laughs> yes. the thing. Go ahead. Make my day. <laughs> he encouraged it. Yeah. So. But uh, yeah, uh, Dick Buckus, uh, you know, he was uh, he was drafted in the NFL draft uh, in 65 uh, in uh, the third pick overall uh, round one. He was drafted in the AFL draft, too, but obviously he went to the NFL. He played uh, his entire career with the Bears, 65 through 73. Short career, you know, nine years, uh, nine seasons. Um, but, you know, he wanted to get into acting. <laughs> so that was the time to do so. But just a crazy, crazy good numbers and insane, tough tough uh tough guy uh really uh eight eight time pro bowler uh his uh you know except for his last year <laughs> every year he played uh six time first team all pro uh two time second team all pro two time nfl to play uh, defensive player of the year uh 69 70 uh, 75th anniversary team 100th anniversary team 60s all decade team 70s all decade team his number 51 in chicago's retired uh, it was uh, lineman of the year in 64. Uh, that was for college. Uh, and he, uh, and big 10, most valuable player in 63. Uh, uh he went to, uh, uh, what you call it? He went to Illinois, uh, for college and, and shine there as well. But, uh, you know, and of course he's in the college football hall of fame and the pro football hall of fame. But I think the thing that is, uh, you know, I mean, his resume, let's put it this way. His resume is staggering, uh, and when you think about it, but that's just uh, his nicknames, <laughs> you know, uh, the animal, the enforcer, the maestro of mayhem, the robot of destruction. Uh, you know, it's those are <laughs> his nicknames were were a, a thing of beauty, basically, you know, but his NFL career is nothing short of sensational He's an eight time pro bowler. Uh, and that's and he only played nine seasons, <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, you know, he. Uh, he he same as uh, same as my other guy he uh uh you know Mr. Ray Nitschke. he um and, and which is you know he 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 picked up where Ray Nitschke was leaving off um not obviously in the same team but in the same division um you know he he did uh he did jump on fumbles and and picked off passes as well so but he was the first ballot hall of famer in 79 and just a, a crazy good and, and and fun to watch in movies too <laughs> so but. yeah and and he really showed that you know, the, the the football persona was certainly not all that he was. You know, if you look at um, Mike Ditka, who, you know, has also done a little bit of acting, but he's always kind of been that persona, right? The tough guy with the hair. And, you know, uh, Butkus was way more than that, uh, you know, off the field when he became an actor. They played That's, together, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, they did. So, um, yeah. So, you know, he showed that that, you know, that football persona was not all that he was or needed to be and that was kind of cool i mean uh you know i can't tell you what his best acting but i mean you know he was he was on coach and he, he did a, sure. a couple of movies he uh, was really good at being dick buckus he was he was good at being dick buckus yeah was, but know. you know not oh again not always dick buckus the maniacal robot assassin or whatever his nickname was. <laughs> no, the, the animal, the enforcer, the maestro of destruction or whatever. You know, he, he, he was, was, he was he a very was much more than that. Right. He was, uh, he was good on a very special episode of Blossom. <laughs> was, yeah. <laughs> Aren't they, well, weren't they all very special? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and we, we have a, uh, we have a, uh, a grievance here. Uh, Dave from the craft beer podcast is just number six. He should be higher. The man made Lombardi admit he was wrong. 
I disagree. I think he should be lower, but anyway, he, he was great, but <laughs> he wouldn't be able to play in today's game at linebacker. No, no, but I mean, but when he played, crazy. he was great. Yeah, yeah in that era, he was great. So, all right, that was it. Number six, Dick Buckus. Harry, why don't you take us to number five? Number five is none other than number 55, Junior Seau. I would, I would say on this list, Junior Seau was maybe one of three or four guys that came out jumped out to me as just standing head and shoulders above the rest of the crowd during his playing days. Played for 19 seasons. Obviously, his prime years were with the Chargers. 12-time Pro Bowler. 12-time Pro Bowler in an era of really great linebackers. Uh, He was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 92. Uh, He was part of the NFL's 100th anniversary all-time team in the NFL 1990s all-decade team. Got close with the with the with the Patriots towards the end, and um, he was really athletic. He was just an insatiable tackler. He had he had over eighteen hundred tackles in his career, fifty fifty six and a half sacks, eighteen interceptions. I mean, he was he was without a doubt one of the best defensive players to ever play the game. Unfortunately, I, I think he's he had a tragic end to his life. As a result of, um, I think, some chronic traumatic uh, head injuries that he obviously came upon by playing football. And hopefully we can do, hopefully his legend will go on to help us understand this and prevent it. But, you know, for him to, for him to take his own life at the age of 43, it was just one of those things you're just like, man, this is sad. And I think he just dealt with a lot of uh, a lot of uncomfort and pain over the, you know in his post playing years, and um, but he was one of the best without a doubt. Yeah. That was only a few years after he stopped playing. He played football for twenty years. Yeah, yeah. twenty years. Yeah, yeah he. I mean, and, and that's you know we talk about yeah okay, Butkus played nine years and it was a different era. For somebody to play linebacker for twenty years. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. He, he was really athletic. Yeah. And, and, then, and a guy who prided himself, I think, on really being at the top of his game. But his per, you know, you, 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 there's a great documentary on Junior Seau. And, uh, you know, the, the header injuries definitely changed his personality and changed him in a lot of ways. But um, one of the, the, the silver lining of, uh, of all that is that you know, there was a lot of uh, attention that came to the fact that you right. know, these guys, and it wasn't just one guy here and a couple of guys there. It was a lot of players that were, you know, suffering from these uh, these uh, brain injuries over uh, the period of time. And, yeah. you know, and his, his case in particular brought a lot of light to that and brought a lot of attention yeah. to that. It definitely did, yeah. Well, the whole league has changed. I mean, the way people tackle is different now. It, it, it's taken a generation to really make that change, but we had to do something. It's, uh, it's unfortunate. It's it's unfortunate. These kind of cases to to make, to bring light. And I I think we're still going to see, see more people. Uh, I think the silver lining, like you said, was that the tragedy of his life finally brought this issue to light. And it was, they were able to shine a, a bigger spotlight on this as a, as an issue that I think a lot of football players are dealing with. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he's and he's not the first. Unfortunately, he's not the no. first uh, no. um, player diagnosed with CTE um, post. No, um, on on our lists, even on our top, top tens. Well, and, um, and obviously the NFL didn't really want a lot of this coming out at the time, and and there's that's a whole discussion for another time. But like Pete said, at least this the silver lining is that this brought this to a point where changes yeah. were made and are continuing to be made, yeah. and yeah. that's a, and that's a good thing. And and I think it was it was McMahon who was real yeah. vocal about it and sort of really forced the NFL into creating the fund, right, to the uh, the healthcare yeah. fund to take care of people. Yeah. So, you know, maybe he was, uh, ins- I don't want to say inspired, but g- given a little bit uh, of courage to speak out because of the, you know, the plight of Junior Seau and, and other players as well. But, sure. you know. It's 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 a shame and it and it sucks, but like you said, yeah. If there's if if there if there is a silver lining, that's it. it yeah, it, it, it was not for naught. Right. Well, there you go. Number five, Junior Seau. Um, Pete, why don't you bring us to number four? Number four. This is four B, right? We have two number four. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. This, so this is, is the other one, folks. Four B. Four B. Ray Lewis. Um. Was, I looked at a, a kind of a bunch of different lists sort of for guidance on this rather than just picking off the top of my head, which would have been a, we would have had Chad Pennington on this list somewhere <laughs> if, I, if I did that. But this guy, uh, Ray Lewis <laughs> came up really high, uh, number two, number three on a bunch of people's lists. Yeah, he was number four B on ours. Uh, 13-time Pro Bowler, uh, Ravens, obviously from 96 to 2012, their glory years, 10 times an All-Pro. Two-time Super Bowl champion, uh, MVP in uh, Super Bowl 35, two-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. That was a uh, 2003. And in fact, I think he's the only uh, linebacker to win uh, Defensive Player of the Year and be the Super Bowl MVP in the same year. And of course, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, what can you say? One of the best who ever played. Uh, oh, and uh, also he might have kind of sort of killed a guy, although he. Uh, him and his yeah. friends got acquitted, and he pleaded guilty to uh, that. Obviously, obstruction of justice. Yeah. Obviously, after last week, killing somebody does not preclude you from being on our list. No, it does not. It does not. And I mean, look, that soured a lot of people on him. But uh, there's, I just go back and watch film. There's no denying that Ray Lewis is uh, one of the all-time great linebackers. Yeah, yeah, he definitely is. Uh, you know what, I. <laughs> I, I I can I can take you back twenty years ago and was not all too happy with the man and the way he played in Super Bowl thirty five, mainly because the Giants lost. But that defense of the of the Baltimore Ravens. I mean the Giants you know what, you can say what you want about uh Kerry Collins and, and I think I did uh about twenty years ago, too. I've got that's on disc. I'm looking that's at the right forgotten. Now. That's the forgotten Super Bowl. I don't even yeah. like. Did that really happen? It really like, did. I, it's like you know, it's. A, it felt like that wasn't but, even a Giants team. I don't know. But the but whatever whatever it is that Dilfer did and that I screamed that uh, at the time, <laughs> uh, that that game was lost. Uh, the the Giants beat Minnesota the week before. Uh, just and it was a week before it was no there was no uh, a week off there and it was uh forty one nothing forty one nothing forty one nothing and they put up a goose egg on offense in the Super Bowl a week later the only seven points they got was on a kickoff return <laughs> in the second half so uh, and but that's all on Ray Lewis and the, and that defense from the Baltimore Ravens I mean he was just a monster it was insane I think he's the, the the last great linebacker I mean there's I don't think there's been anybody 
to come close to him since. And, you know, in, in the two thousands, he's, I think he's probably top two, if not the best defensive player on the field during, during those years. Sure. And he, he just changed the game and he was the identity of that Baltimore team. Yeah. It came through, it came through. They were, they were nasty, nasty team, man. They made the Detroit Pistons of the '80s seem like ballerinas. <laughs> yeah, not that ballerinas aren't tough because they are. You do that to your feet, and even Jack Lambert's going to have to ice his feet. He's going to yeah. have to ice his feet. So, well, there you go. Number four B, Ray Lewis. I'll take number four A. Number four A is Mister Michael Singletary. Mike Singletary, folks. Mike Singletary. Uh, he was uh, drafted in the second round with the 38th pick of the 81 draft. He played his whole career with the Bears, 81 to 92. And he was a Super Bowl champion in Super Bowl 20, um, as we just said before. <clears throat> but 10-time um, uh, pro bowler, um, you know, most of his career, uh, the, the last uh, 10 years of his career, uh, 83 through 92. Uh, eight-time first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro for a year. He was NFL Man of the Year in 1990. Uh, two-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year, three-time NFC Player of the Year, uh, two-time uh, Football Digest NFL Linebacker of the Year when they had that award back in the day when Football Digest was a thing. Uh, he's a member of the 80s uh, decade team, member of, the, uh, uh, member of the 100 Greatest Bears of All Time team. Uh, yeah, in the... Uh, He's also a member of the College Football Hall of Fame and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But, you know, I mean, he his, he totaled 1,488 uh, tackles in his career. Uh, that, that That's a lot of tackles, uh, you know. And, and he had two, 12 fumble recoveries and seven interceptions to go along with it. So he wasn't just a tackling machine, too. But he did... Uh, uh, he did uh, have uh, an affinity for ball carriers. In fact, he was quoted as saying, I had such a negative thought process toward what a running back was that I didn't want to, I didn't want anything to do with anyone carrying a football. If you touched a football, I wanted to hit them. It was like the good guy against the bad guy. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you see like, uh, you know, bull seeing red. Uh, Mike Singletary saw somebody carrying a football. He hit him. That was it. So, but just And that was his job. That was his job. That was his job. And part of one of the best defensive teams of all time. I think him and, and uh, Richard Dent were the leaders of that defense. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, Singletary, just known as just a, an incredible, uh, what they call the, the football IQ. Yeah. You know, a real thinking man's uh, player as well as a, a fierce competitor. And what I liked about him is he was quiet. You know, he didn't talk a lot. He didn't no. yell and scream. You know, he didn't draw attention to himself he he was a real badass but he didn't you know uh, i believe it was um uh bruce lee who said when you're tough you don't have to act tough because you yeah you know you're tough well, and singletary was you know to me that kind of guy he, he did his talking on the field he didn't need to trash talk anybody yeah. no. i mean i think in that era the guy who to me, was very close both in temperament and in talent was Harry Carson of the Giants. Yeah, they just reminded me of each other a lot. Carson, I think, was a little older, but uh, not. I don't think he was as good as Singletary. Carson had the fortune of playing with some really talented linebacker crew. Sure. But I mean, Harry Carson was probably close to getting on this list. Probably top twenty linebackers of all time. And yeah, he, he, they, yeah, I'd agree. They, they just reminded me of each other, and watching them play 
was always just incredible. Yeah. I mean, and, and he went out to coaching too. I mean, he, he was a coach for, for a number of years. Yeah. I mean, you know, he was a linebackers coach for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He was with right? the 49ers for, for six years uh, between assistant head coach, linebackers coach, interim head coach, and head coach. Then he went to Minnesota for, for a little while in the Rams. Uh, you know, he's bounced around, done some, uh, you know, uh, college and, and some other academy stuff since. But, um, but yeah, no, he, he was, um, yeah, just, just like, like you said, Harry, just a, uh, um, a, a quiet guy that was a machine when it came to playing football, you know? Yeah. Samurai Mike, big and bold. There you go. Well, there you go. Number, as the song goes. As the song goes. We got a. Uh, and the first uh, linebacker, I think, to, uh, uh, to sing in the um, in, in 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 a promo video. Yeah, yeah, he definitely. I was. think that was the first. The Super Bowl Shuffle was the first Super one, Bowl right? Shuffle. Yes, everybody, so everybody has a low point in their career. Exactly. Yeah. Uh. Dave, Dave from the Beer Podcast <laughs> said, "One of the most intelligent people to play the position." He said. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Number four A, Mike Singletary. Uh, Harry, why don't you bring us to number three? Number three is none other than Jack Lambert. Now, uh, there was a picture of sports. The, I think the best Sports Illustrated cover of all time <laughs> of Jack Lambert with he's peeking through the side of his helmet. Number one, he had his helmet on. He had that Fu Manchu mustache, which came down past his you know lower lip. And you just saw those two fangs because his upper four middle teeth were missing. And if there was as good as Jack Ham was, Jack Lambert, to me, was the epitome of the 1970s football. I mean, just the heart and soul of that Pittsburgh defense. He was a four-time Super Bowl champion, a nine-time Pro Bowler. He played 11 seasons and was a Pro Bowler nine times. He was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 76, NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year in 74, and part of the NFL's 75th and 100th anniversary all-time teams. When I say that this was a guy – now. He, he had a great defense behind him. He had, he had mean Joe Green. He obviously had his partner in crime in Jack Han. But he was, without a doubt, the leader of that defense. And one of the, again, another smart football player who just epitomized that town, that era. There you go. Look at that. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> um, that was, there was black and white copies of that put up on our lockers in our, during football season, my, my junior year in high school. And that was it. That's all that, that was the motivation, just yeah. his picture. Uh, it made me brush my teeth more often. <laughs> and so scared, I definitely thought about oral hygiene more often. Scared the living daylights out of me. Yeah, but he didn't no, lose his teeth from oral think, hygiene. No, he, he lost, he lost them playing basketball. Yeah. And uh, he used to do, you know, I mean, it, I don't care who you are. If, if you see that, that guy lined up across <laughs> from you with mean Joe green right in front of him, yeah. I'm not running there. No, 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 no. Uh, he, he was un- unbelievable. You know, 1500 tackles and, and out of those over a thousand were solo tackles in nine, nine year span. That's crazy. Nine yeah, straight, great, nine crazy straight, numbers. Yeah. He, 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 and he was one of those guys who kind of was, was a precursor to what was to come with, with, with linebackers, you know, he, he, 
even into the seventies linebackers, a lot of times you had linebackers playing on running downs, but they would, they'd mix it up. They wouldn't necessarily be dropping back as much in, in on pass plays. He was all over the field. He, he really was, uh, I, I think one of the, you know, one of the best ever. That uh, I, yeah, but watching him in the seventies in all of those Super Bowls and, and any other time you could get to watch the Steelers play. It was just, you know, watching all of them on the field. I mean, just, you know, him, ham, green all of them it was it was ridiculous but yeah that that picture like you said that was <laughs> that was the the preeminent uh linebacker uh photo uh to to you know scare the bejesus out of anybody that was uh you know lined up against him yeah i mean in 1976 the steelers started one and four and he called a players only meeting and the only thing he said is that the only way we we're going to go back to the playoffs is to win Every game from here out, and they did. And in nine in a nine game span, the Steelers' defense allowed only two touchdowns and a total of twenty eight points, including five shutouts. That's insane! Insane to think of any team. Could you imagine any team, you know, having two shutouts in a season? Twenty eight points in a nine game span. Points in a five game span that's insane that's just locked it down they were done that was it sorry back then back then the league was more condensed they wasn't there there weren't as many let's say you know garbage teams in in there it was unbelievable i mean i i still think that's the i still think that steelers those steelers defenses were the best of all time yeah they were they were crazy well, there you go. Number three, Jack Lambert. All right, folks. Um, Pete, why don't you bring us to number two? Number two, uh, Derek Thomas. Uh, I got to admit, not a name that popped up into my head at first, although when I read, I went, oh, of course, uh, Derek Thomas. Uh, Kansas City, 10 years from 89 to 99. Um, six-time All-Pro, nine times to the Pro Bowl. 89 uh, NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year and uh, 2009 into the Hall of Fame. Um, 126 and a half sacks in 157 NFL starts. That's pretty darn good. Unbelievable. Uh, he had seven, seven sacks in a single game, which I think is still the NFL record. And um, unfortunately, his life was uh, cut short, a car accident. And uh, some injuries, uh, which uh, led to him uh, passing away at the age of 33. Uh, he would have been probably a little bit higher on this list. And and I would say probably the guy uh, who – I don't want to give away who's number one. I think we know who's number one. But uh, of anyone who ever played, the guy who would maybe remind me the most of number one. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Was uh, was Derek Thomas just able to do apparently anything he wanted at virtually any time, and uh, an absolute disruptor, able to kind of take over games, and uh, just a brilliant, brilliant player, an incredible athlete, and uh, number two on the list. Yeah, I think he might have been the best pure pass rusher I've ever seen, and. It, it, he was the closest to the to the who's the obvious consensus number one. I think his career was definitely cut short, but I I remember that game when he was seven. Did you say it was sacks in one game? Or yeah, it was? seven sacks in one game. 
think it was, it was a Monday. I think it was a Monday night game, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong there. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but uh, really great. And you know, those Chiefs teams back then, they were on the they were on the verge. You know, Christian Okoye and some of these other. They were good teams, and he was he was a big reason for that. They but, were right there. They were. I mean, most of it. You know, for yeah. The, uh, yeah. The Bills and the and, Oilers were, yeah. were good too at that point too. So, and he was one of those guys that you could you would game plan for. You know, you had to take him into account, yeah. and other teams would do things to try and stop him. And more often than not, they would fail because he was just that good or able to figure out how to nullify whatever steps they were taking to sort of nullify him. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was against Seattle, and uh, it was a Monday night game on, on Veterans Day. So that when he had those seven sacks, I, I do. Rem- I, me- I remember that game. It was. Yeah. I was just like, I can't believe I'm seeing this. Yeah, I remember it too. It was crazy. It was like every play. It was ridiculous. He was and he was another guy. Player. You know, I think the reason why he doesn't jump out is he played at the time on a t- in a, on a team that didn't get a lot of national coverage. They weren't on television a lot, uh, and he was quiet. He was another intellectual kind of guy who wasn't yeah. a big rah rah guy. You never heard much about him. And I think he was in the shadow of some other linebacker. I mean, he played in an era of some great linebackers. Obviously, I think he kind of came, you know, maybe a little bit, couple years past, um, you know, number one on our list. But he was certainly in his shadow. But he lived up to it, man. He was, he was, he was fantastic. Yeah, he really was. He really was. And yeah, his his. You know, like like you said before, it's it's unfortunate with the car accident and that, and his life getting cut short. But if if that didn't happen, you know, I mean, I I, I don't know that he would have made it to number one. No. But he he, I mean, if it, if it could have been a one A, you know, that, yeah. You know. I mean, there's no one else on the list that you would say would have a shot right at number one, or certainly more so than than he might have if he had played a few more years, right. I, I don't think he would have been, but I don't think he would have been. But, but yeah, but it might have been a one A one B. Might yeah. have been. He would have, might, might have been cemented into that number two a little bit more than he he was, you know, or something like that. So, but he, but he, but he, he he didn't have the supporting cast for the no. duration of his career. Well, said it was it was the Derek Thomas show. It wasn't yeah. uh, the, yeah. the the Chiefs. And, they, I remember I remember that that game where he had seven sacks. I remember one time he was triple teamed. A tight end, a tackle, and a and a running back, and he just said, "I'm going to go around you two, and then I'm going to go right through you, and I'm going to make Dave Craig regret playing that regret game. playing football, let alone that day." <laughs> yeah. So, oh, there you go. That's true. Oh, there you have it. All right, folks. Number two, Derek Thomas. I'll take number one. To nobody's surprise is none other than Mr. Ryan Lawrence. Or, oh, sorry. <laughs> it's none other than this guy. <laughs> Lawrence Taylor. Uh, just kidding. It looks different in that uh, It's just a little bit. Lawrence Taylor, folks. Lawrence Julius Taylor. Lawrence Julius Taylor. LT. LT. Uh, as he said in his uh, uh, induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, without the fans, there would have been a Lawrence Taylor, but there would have never been an LT. So, and that was that was kind of poignant, but uh, he was drafted with the second pick overall in the 1981 draft. Thank God the Giants had it uh, out of North Carolina. He played his entire career for the G-Men, 81 through 93, two-time Super Bowl champion, 21 and 25. He was the NFL's most valuable player in 1986, a defensive linebacker, 
was the NFL's most valuable player. We were talking before about, you know, they're not making anybody other than quarterbacks the uh, MVP of the league. Um, yeah, never a defensive player. Who a knows? defensive player, really? You know, so, only one of I think only one of two to ever win that. One award. of two, yeah, and and the other one was Alan Page. Yeah, and uh, and he was the only he's the only linebacker that was uh, a defensive player uh, for uh, MVP. Uh, but yeah, uh, three time uh, defensive uh, player of the year, um, and you know, and he was the only. Uh, um, one that was a three-time defensive player of the year uh, until J.J. Uh, Watt came along anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, defensive rookie of the year in 81, eight-time first-team All-Pro, uh, two-time second-team All-Pro, ten-time Pro Bowler, folks. His first ten years of his career, 81 through 90, was a Pro Bowler ten times. Sacks leader in 86, uh, 75th anniversary team, uh, 100th anniversary team, 80s All-Decade team. His number 56 is retired by the Giants. Uh, he's in the Giants' ring of honor, uh, sporting news. I mean, I could go on and on with these. Uh, it could take about another hour. I could give you his accolades. But member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But he, he, uh, uh, you know, he, he had 132 and a half sacks. Uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be, I could be. If I'm not mistaken, that didn't include his first year. Because if I recall, they, wouldn't, they didn't count sack stats in 81. They started in 82. Yeah. Yeah, so he right. had, he had more than that, <laughs> you know, not a lot more, but more than the 132 and a half. Uh, but but yeah, I mean he he had troubles off the field, but he was just, uh, uh, you know, watching him play, and and I could tell you, I I saw him, you know, not just on TV, you know, going to games. It was just a pleasure to sit there and watch this man do what he did. He week in and week out, he was just such a maestro at. You know, at that position, I mean, he redefined the linebacker position. Uh, and, you know, nothing anybody can say can take that away from the man. You know, no matter what he does and has done since, uh, he's just he was just an amazing athlete. His speed, his agility, his football knowledge, uh, his football IQ, or acumen, you want to want whatever you want to call it, uh, was just second to none. You know, he's probably, in my estimation, and I don't think I'm alone when I say this, probably the best player to ever play football. I agree a hundred percent. He, he had, there's only a couple athletes that I, that I think had this sort of hard to define intangible of being able to take over a game and will themselves to win. I think Michael Jordan was one of them. I think Lawrence Taylor is another one. Now Lawrence Taylor, he probably didn't he's his career maybe could have had a little bit more longevity he probably he certainly lived life to the fullest he was not that's no mistake that's but no he way. he was without a doubt the the best i think he's the best player to ever play football period and if if you if you, it's hard to really describe to somebody but there's some there are some youtube videos of just lawrence taylor plays and it goes on for like 20 minutes. It's unbelievable to see the way that he could dominate a game. And um, I mean, I thought Brian Bosworth was came close, but yeah. there, there, there's <laughs> and he played. Yeah, there's just yeah. nobody. The, uh, the the only other guy I would say would really would come close, and unfortunately, he had a, a career that was much too short. Was uh, maybe Bo Jackson? Yeah. As far as being a pure athlete and a guy that could seemingly do whatever he wanted, but yeah, I mean, it was. You know, it's like really, he, it's, it's a very, very. 
yeah, really no one else in Taylor's category. And, no. and I think along with his intelligence, I think he just had incredible instinct for the yeah. game of football as well. And sometimes you have players who have really good instincts, uh, but Taylor also had this, the, the, the football IQ or acumen or whatever you want to call it to go along with that. And I think that's one of the things that made him so great. But he there was no one even close to as dominant no. Um, certainly at that position, we just, you know, no. we talked about, uh, um, you know, Derek Thomas, but uh, LT totally was, different personality. Yeah. And LT was one of a kind. And, and I think I said before, you know, maybe his lifestyle, um, I don't know. It didn't even, uh, he was just so good. It didn't seem to be a detraction. You know, there's like, no one. So. If you, I, unless you hated the Giants because your your team was the rival of theirs, no one really hate. Oh, LT, he's, you know, he's great, but he's a drug addict. You know, it's just we accepted it was part of him, and right. maybe that's part of what made him great. You know, maybe if he hadn't lived that lifestyle, maybe he wouldn't. It seems uh, counterintuitive to say because you think right. that sort of abuse would take its toll on the body, and there's right. legendary stories of him like. Walking off the golf course on Super Bowl Sunday, you know, well, that's being up I mean. all night, being up all night before playoff games, and you know, right. But that was part of what made him him, and maybe that was necessary, uh, you he, know, he was part half, of his greatness. He was half Babe Ruth and half Michael Jordan, even though he came before Michael Jordan. I mean, those are the only athletes that sort of remind me of what he was of his legend. Yeah. He, he was just. He was football. I mean, he was that good. He was. He was. And and he was taken second overall. The Saints had the first pick that year, and they picked uh, running back George Rogers. Who was pretty good, but not no Lawrence Taylor. He was not Lawrence Taylor. And who had the third pick that year, Pete? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Was it the Jets? It was the Jets. Who did they pick? Uh, Blair Thomas. Nope. I have no idea. Freeman. What year was it? Oh, I'm sorry. I just told you. <laughs> I didn't hear you. 81. Freeman McNeil. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Well, good that was pick. a pretty good pick, too. It was a good pick. Really, really good, good pick. pick. That was a great pick. Yeah. Better than Sam Bowie. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> anyway. All right. All right, folks. That was our number one, Lawrence Taylor. Best no linebacker no in surprise. NFL history. No surprise yeah. at all. And, and I agree with you guys. Best player who ever played the game. Yeah. Just uh, ridiculous. So. All right, that brings us to our Old Balls segment. Harry, why don't you tell us who this week's Old Balls is? Old Balls is someone who I think we've talked about before uh, when we were talking about the greatest Giants of all time. But old look, there was a lot of guys on this list that had they not made this list, they would have been today's Old Balls. But they just happened. (laughs) Their Old Balls made it onto the list. So in keeping with linebackers, today's Old Balls is none other than Robert Lee Sam Huff who was an American football linebacker for the New York Giants, as well as the Washington Redskins. He played from 1956 to 1969 and was drafted as a defensive lineman. He he was in, in training camp in 56. The Giants didn't have a place for him to play. He just wasn't working out. And he left training camp but was stopped at the airport by an assistant coach at the Giants at the time named Vince Lombardi, who I think maybe knew a little something about defense. A little bit. Uh, 
then defensive coordinator Tom Landry. Boy, this is uh, some good coaching, huh? You think? Came up with a new 4-3 defensive scheme and made him the middle linebacker. And that really changed Huff, and it changed the game. To, to you know, he sort of was the first one of the first quintessential middle linebackers that wasn't playing uh, with uh, uh, somebody else adjacent to him. You know, four down linemen and two outside linebackers and a middle linebacker. Um, and he was, you know, he won an NFL championship in 1956. Was a five-time Pro Bowler, uh, two-time first-team All-Pro, 1950s All-Decade Team, and. Uh, I don't know if he's in the in the football hall of fame. I don't think he is. But he, he is. is. He is. Oh, he he is. is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sam Hubson. Yeah. yeah, okay. He should be. Uh, he I think he was one of the quintessential linebackers. I mean, he he may have kind of invent reinvented that middle linebacker position. And along with some of these other and he was a smart football player. He had a really high football IQ. Uh he I think he's one of the, you know, one of the the guys that kind of falls through the cracks when you talk about this position because it was so long ago and his, you know, his his numbers are not maybe as impressive as some others, but uh, he had thirty interceptions and five touchdowns in his career, <laughs> and uh, and you know back then those these guys played on offense and defense half half the time, so he was just old school to the to the to the bone, and uh, I think one of the best certainly never play the position. Yeah, I agree. And then agree. And Jim Brown actually once uh, was quoted as saying, uh, Sam was basically the quarterback of that defense Yeah, and had the flair to understand he was in New York. So he became an instant celebrity by attaching himself to my legs quite often. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. Johnny, can you put that other picture up, the first picture up? The first picture? Yeah. There Who's that guy, number 76? That would be none other than Mr. Roosevelt Greer. Oh, okay, okay, good God, yeah, yeah. Rosie Greer. That's the, that's Dave Mazaluski, uh, uh on the other side, seventy-seven. Hey, Sam Huff looked like a kicker. <laughs> Sam yeah. Huff like a kicker. Yeah, the, the the only thing that you don't want to get behind those guys, other than the football field, is the buffet line. <laughs> <laughs> I watch all of the ham. <laughs> Yeah, they were big boys back then. Rosie yeah. Greer was Rosie Greer was, he's a big boy. Monstrous. <laughs> Absolutely. He played he played both middle interior. He was two of the four down line. He was two of the four down line. <laughs> yeah, they called it a four three, but it was yeah. really a three. If you look close, there's just... another seven on. He's seventy six and seventy seven. <laughs> yeah, that was one guy behind him. I don't know what you were talking about. <laughs> so anyway. All right. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Huff was kind of like, you know, the yeah, he took those uh West Virginia g- good looks and uh became a star. Yeah. Yeah, he did. That was Plus, he, I mean, I think you're going to be a linebacker if your name's Sam Huff. If your name's Sam Huff, you don't have much of a choice. You're no. either putting siding on houses or you're a linebacker. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So, and I guess he picked the right career. So, mm-hmm. well, there you go. This week's Old Balls, Mr. Sam Huff. There we go. go. (laughs) They get the sound there in there. (laughs) Like old balls, it sometimes takes a minute to get it. Sometimes it takes a minute to get it working. There you go. All right. Why don't we we switch gears? Uh, I know there's not much to talk about in in Major League Baseball, but the Mets did sign uh, Trevor May to a two-year, $15 million contract with a bullpen uh, out of uh, Minnesota. 
took him out of the Twins. Uh, any thoughts? Uh, any thoughts about uh, on that move? Who? Trevor May. Uh, good pitcher from uh, the Twins. Oh, there's an owl in here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah right, gotcha. I, I, I didn't think there could be anything worse than the Giants-Jets segment, but I think we're venturing <laughs> into it. Ladies and gentlemen, the Trevor May Hour is the beginning. The Trevor May Hour is brought to you by... Uh, doesn't baseball... Doesn't training camp... Is they going to have a bubbled training camp this year? Uh, the training camp's it? actually happening at uh, in the Meadowlands. They're uh, not at the not at MetLife Stadium either. At they're, the racetrack? At the racetrack. They're... Uh, <laughs> They're putting a bubble over the racetrack. In the stalls of the racetrack. Yeah, exactly. So, but uh, no, I mean, there's not much going on. Hot stove is, uh, is kind of lukewarm at this point. It's, uh, it's not I think a, you're going to see some activity going on though soon. As soon as they, you know, people got to start signing somebody, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely slow going and that's what everybody's saying. So, um, but yeah, I mean, and, and Chris Young, uh, uh, decided not to, uh, interview for the GM position with the Mets and, you know, nothing against the man, uh, but, whew, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good on that. <laughs> Dodged a potential bullet <laughs> A little there. bit there, so, um. The Cubs cut Kyle Schwarber. They did. They did. They cut Kyle Schwarber. Um, uh, there's, there's a few things happening, but there's uh, nothing's really heating up just yet. So there's not a whole lot of lot to really discuss. So. Well, let me just bring one thing up that is this story I saw. Sure. And I only mention this guy because he's sort of a mainstay on my uh, my uh, Ken Griffey Jr. baseball <laughs> Super Nintendo game that I play <laughs> on my retro system. Gotcha. Uh, Latroy Hawkins has made the Hall of Fame ballot. Which I find interesting, and he's a good for me when I'm. Uh, he's an playing. interesting guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a great uh, late pickup for uh, for video game uh, baseball from that era. Uh, you know, kind of a fireballer throughout much of his career. I'll give you his numbers real quick. Sure, uh, seventy five and ninety four, a uh, thousand forty two games uh, appearances, ninety eight games started, hundred twenty seven saves. Uh, 1,467 innings pitched, 4.31 ERA, 983 strikeouts, a 141 whip, which is not great, but not bad. But um, I don't know. He's 4.31 ERA. Yeah, it's a bit high, right? Yeah. A bit high for the Hall of Fame. A little bit high for the Hall of Fame. And he played on like 11 teams or something like that. He's kind kind of bounced around. Wouldn't it be funny if he got into the Hall of Fame before Albert Bell did? That's what you get for being a jerk to the press, I guess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Those guys hold grudges like yeah. nobody else. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know if uh, I, I get that the ERA is a little high. Yeah. And the whip, like I said, one forty-one is not that. I mean, it's good, but it's not that great. Well, what was it? When was uh, this? Was in his? When was his first year of eligibility? Uh this is this is it. This is first year eligibility. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, so. he was drafted in ninety one. Uh, he was born in nineteen seventy two. Okay. And uh, debuted. Uh, let's see, major league debut was in nineteen ninety five. So there you go. So that's a good uh, fifteen year career. Good fifteen year career. Yeah, bounced yeah. around a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I only mentioned it because he was kind of a mainstay on my video game teams. Gotcha. Good guy that could come in, uh, you know, pitch, uh, make a spot start, or that was kind of his his thing. I mean, he was a closer for a little while on and off, but 
Right. You know, had a little bit of a longer arm than a lot of guys that threw, you know, hard. Yeah. That's, uh, but consensus, not Hall of Famer amongst this crew. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I mean, hey, you know what? Kudos to him that he, that he made the, uh, that he made the ballot. You know, good for him. But yeah. Yeah. And who knows? Give it a couple of years and you never know. You never know. I mean, Somebody who I know is not going to get into the Hall of Fame is, uh, for some reason, still on the Yankees, and I just can't understand why, but maybe it's trade bait. I, I don't know why the Yankees are continuing their relationship with Gary Sanchez. I just – they have so many other decisions to make that – I just think they want to – I think they haven't – my opinion, I think they have so much invested in him, even if it's just mentally, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. that, that they want to see what, you know, what, what they can make of him – if for nothing else but to trade him, you know, instead of just releasing him at that point, you know. Well, that, gonna, yeah. who's going to take him though? I mean, I think that's that's the problem. But maybe maybe there's some trade bait. I don't know. Well, he might not be a, a primary. I mean, he might be sort of a, a you know on the back end somebody that you throw in sure. uh, to you know sort of seal the deal with another team. Look, I mean, it's Gary Sanchez, and there's a lot of potential there. Right. So he's not the guy that somebody you know another team is necessarily going to want to trade for. But maybe the Yankees are saying, well, we'll throw him in. You know, if it's close, but they're w- the other team's wavering a little bit, you say, well, we'll throw Sanchez in too. Right. And maybe he'll be the great player that we think he might be or, or you know, has the potential to be for you that he wasn't for the Yankees. Right. That yeah. would be the, you know, but certainly he's not going to be the primary. Uh, well, it could be some team out there that goes, yeah, just get him here. A different environment might spark him to be. You know, yeah, I mean, I think he's... It's a possibility. It's, it's a possibility. He's just really fun. I mean, you know, the, there's going to be a lot of decisions the Yankees make here in the next... I think today, isn't Don't they have? To, isn't today one of the days when they have to make them some decisions on who they're tendering offers to and who they're I not? Think, I think the uh, I think the was it the Rule Five draft or whatever the ten mm-hmm. uh, or tender? Yeah, that's some. It's either today or tomorrow. Or yeah. Them, yeah. Yeah, I think well, baseball start to heat up. There's gonna, there's got to be some trades brewing. And- yeah, there, there's we're gonna hear some stuff before the end of the year. We're not we're not waiting till January or anything on this. We'll we'll we'll, we'll know some stuff soon. And even with the Mets, with with uh, those front office positions with the uh, yeah uh, with the GM and the president of baseball operations, that'll be soon. I still think yeah. they're gonna throw some money at at uh, uh, Theo Epstein, but we'll see what happens. Well, um, they'll, they'll, they'll they'll try at least. They're gonna try. What, what, least, what's so. it? What will be interesting to me is to see how. Uh, the free agents get signed, especially the pitchers. Yeah. yeah. Because if you remember a couple of years ago, guys were, you know, really good pitchers were not getting signed. Yeah. And there was a lot of talk about, you know, collusion and all that stuff. Oh, so sure. Yeah. There were be interesting were... now with not fans in the stands and, yeah, you know, spring... that's sort of up in the air. You know, are are these guys going to get deals or are teams going to be reluctant to, to give them money? Yeah, Other a couple years Mets, ago, there were pitchers and catchers were reported, and and spring training had started, and there were a bunch of pitchers not even signed yet. So yeah, and these were like you know fifteen game winners. Yeah, um, I can't remember any of their names, of course, but there's one guy on the Astros, uh, uh, and um, I think uh, it was Arietta was one Arietta, of yeah, yeah, and uh, you know these are these were quality pitchers that yeah. you thought would have been snapped up, uh, yeah. but they weren't. Okay. Well, it's going to heat up. It's going to heat up soon. Next next week or the week after, we'll have some stuff to talk about. So let's uh, let's switch gears and uh, uh, before we uh, finish the show and talk a little NBA. Again, not a whole hell of a lot going on other than the fact that uh, training camps have started. Um, uh, so it's uh, season's coming soon. Starts December twenty second. 
Uh, so, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're 20 days away from, from opening day of NBA play. <laughs> Say that uh, fast five times. Um, but, yeah, I got a couple things to ask you guys. Um, just on the, on the New York front, James Harden said, and he was quoted as saying that Kevin Durant asked him to come, asked him personally to come to, uh, come to the Nets. And then uh, they interviewed Kevin Durant, and he denied it. Uh, you, you believe Kevin Durant? Well, I don't know if you've if you guys heard this, but Houston just traded Russell Westbrook to Washington for John Wall and a first round pick. So, did that I, happen today? Yeah, I think that changes. I, I think they're trying to keep Harden in Houston. I think it's going to be hard for Harden to to move. Uh, but. I think if he goes anywhere, it's going to be either Brooklyn or Philadelphia. Right. Yeah, but why would they move him now? I mean, well, I don't know what Wall's got left on his contract, but he's making a lot of money. I think he's got a number of years. Yeah. So, I mean, he – and he – look, he wasn't the guy to build a team around in Washington. So but why would you bring – I mean, he's a quality player, but he just couldn't I, seem to get along with anybody. No, and, and his injuries have really hurt him. I mean, he was – I think you're trading one type of player for another Walls Walls score. I just think that they're just – I think Houston's looking to get rid of Westbrook, and it sounds like they did. And um, I, I think it was more, I, I about, think it was more would, about getting rid of Westbrook than it was about right, taking Right, but I mean and, as far as Wall – And I think, and I think Wall Harden. only has one year left on his contract. So I okay, think they're so saying, all right, we'll, we'll, Wall. He has one we'll year. eat this contract. Oh, and, okay. okay. And, and they're getting a first-round pick. From right. Washington, which is a oh, it was good. more about the first round pick. Too. Yeah, if it's only right, if it's only for one year, then I could see it. But right. if yeah. it was for multiple years, I'd say they'd want to keep those two guys together. But right. but yeah, so obviously it's going to be a they get yeah. that contract off the books after this uh, season and, and they get a and, first round pick. I mean, to me, them taking Wall is like what? That's not going to entice James, no, James Harden to stay. So I think no, just, you wouldn't. I think Houston just in. say. I think Houston's trying to. And they, he could be traded. So right, look, if they're going to get rid of Harden too, they're obviously just going to clean house and start all over again. And I think that's what they're doing. But yeah, um, but yeah, like like I was saying though, do you believe that Kevin Durant? Didn't, you know, he denied saying that. He denied talking to Harden about that. Do you? I, I I don't believe him. I believe he did, and he's just you know, that's my choice uh, or uh, opinion anyway. I should say. I think maybe he's hung out with Kyrie for a few days now and realized. Mm. And then he's just, a downer. Maybe yeah. I need, maybe <laughs> I need somebody else over here. Maybe somebody maybe. else over here. Uh, this I, picture, this picture the, surfaced of Kevin. The Durant. Lakers just got better, so maybe. Uh, this picture surfaced of Kevin Durant too. I mean, what do you think, mate? You think he's going after? Yeah, uh, that's a yeah. that's a football he's holding there. That's not a yeah. basketball. So. Imagine Kevin Durant as a quarterback. <laughs> I wouldn't. I mean, he would be amazing. It would be. Uh, it'd he be certainly wouldn't have a problem throwing over uh, offensive no. linemen. Not at no, all. No, no. That's a big target. <laughs> exactly. Those skinny legs running around with a football on his Throw the ball really high up in the air, run downfield, and catch it. Yeah. I yeah. Probably, I would, I would, probably be yeah. a better wide receiver. But I would, yeah. I, To your question, John, I would tend to think that uh, – James Harden is telling the truth. I, 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 I'm a, Durant's I'm, a little sketchy. Yeah, you know, for, for all of his – you know, kid with the backpack image that he cultivated early on. He's a bit, he's a bit sketchy. Yeah, of the two, none, of, none of these guys are. I want to. The only guy who's an I want to do it alone guy in the whole league is uh, is what's his name of Portland. <laughs> it's just, I mean, these guys just want to team up and put together these yeah. super teams, super and, teams, yeah. and see who can beat the Lakers now. 
So. And that's what it is. I believe, like I said, I, I agree with you I, and, and myself, obviously. I, I, I believe Harden over Durant. So. But, yeah. um, and moving on to the Knicks, uh, how, how much is Tom Thibodeau drooling over Obi Toppin? I mean, well, he's putting on a good face. You know, he's, uh, I, I, I don't know what to think of Obi Toppin. There's some people, I mean, they didn't need another forward. He's mm. kind of a unique player. He's, I think the Knicks front line will be pretty good defensively. Uh, um, especially if Julius Randle can improve on that because they've, you know, they look good on paper. They're young. They've got a lot of top draft picks. They just, they, I just don't think they have, I, I think they're wait. I think they're holding their breath, waiting for next year's free agent market and saying, Hey, maybe just maybe we can land somebody here. Yeah. And um, we all know how that goes with the current, ownership but if this if this front office the new front office and a new coach can move the knicks in the right direction and and maybe appeal to some of these younger players younger first time free agents who are coming out of their rookie contracts you never know alan Hahn said something the other day uh, he was talking about thibodeau and he was saying you got you do have this young team and if he can mold them into as he called then they won't be a team that wins a lot but they'll be a team that nobody wants to play. If they get out, they're all in, they play tough defense, and none of the superstar teams are going to want to play them. He said, mold them into that kind of team, you know, and with the youth and the energy, uh, then you can start to attract some guys who will want to come to a situation where you've got a team full of guys who are just going to scratch and claw and bite. And that's kind of what, Thibodeau does right you know that's sort of his his, MO his moniker, as as, yeah. right so he said that's probably the plan create a team that is granted initially not going to win very much but is going to be tough it's going to kind of harken back to the you know the hard-nosed defense now you, you well, made he's, the point he's trying to do that yeah right and you made the point you know how much is that going to sell right. but at this point given the roster they have you know what other real options do you have I think you don't, they have, you don't have a lot of offense. And, I think they know. have some guys who are pretty good defensive players. And Mitchell Robinson comes to mind. I think Toppin, I mean, if he wants to come in, his defense is going to come before his scoring comes. They could, they're going to be pretty athletic and long. And yeah. I think that'll I, I, fit into what Thibodeau wants to do. The reality of it is, is somebody – look, Randall – Average almost 20 points a game last year. It's it really comes down to is RJ Barrett really a top 20 NBA player? Or it's is not, he not? Not probably not. Yeah. But if you can put up enough defense, right, the, and get a couple of guys who are just outside of that, you know, top, then maybe you don't need to score quite so many points every game. I mean, it's just, it's the same predicament the Knicks have been in, but I think they have, they're in a better situation cap-wise. Yeah. It's just, does anybody want to go and play there? Well, R.J. Barrett last year, he ranked uh, minutes per game, he ranked fourth. He yeah. actually had game, he one of third. the – He had one of the better seasons amongst rookies, he, he, he actually. He had a really good rookie season last year. You know, I mean, you know, third in rebounds, uh, fifth in assists, and third in steals. Yeah. You know. But. It's not all grim. It's just he, he's you know. he's he's a, he'd be a great third option. 
on a team that has two other guys who yep. can carry the load. And that's, that's, it. that's what the Knicks need one top free agent to say, I'm going to go there and then bring his buddy. Right. Yeah. And then they have the nucleus of, and they're, the Knicks could be pretty deep. If you, they're kind of consistent one, two, I think Thibodeau is going to have a lot of uh, variety in who he starts and matchups and things like that. Cause they got a lot of the same players. I mean, do you start Randall and Toppin together? Do you, I mean, is one really a three and one a four? You can move Barrett to the three. If you go small, you can go big with, with Nicolita, who's kind of, you know, he's, he's a big point guard. He's and, and I'm not sold on Nicolita. I'm not sold in their, on their backcourt. I think they need a point guard and another shooter. Yeah. And I think that'll open it up for Barrett. They're kind of, you know, last year they were kind of a throwback team in that they were, uh, they had, a, it just seemed like they were a team made up of 3.5 forwards. They weren't small forwards. They weren't power forwards. They were, they right. were just, right this team of forwards and it didn't matter who you threw in there. Um, you know, I think they're, they're, I think they're better this year. They're younger. They're really young and, and more and moldable, moldable, but they don't have any of that veteran kind of, uh, input on the team. I, I yeah, think, I think, true. I think this is a holding year. I think they're, they're just going to say, okay, what can we do? Can we make, can we change can we change the perception? And look, this might be the best year to do it. You know, we're, you don't have to worry about people not coming to the games. You don't have to worry yep. about distractions in the crowd and what Spike Lee doing and, you know, Charles Oakley's, you know, despicable treatment. You, by Jim Dole and getting in spats yeah, with, right. with anybody. Yeah. And that's the real question, though, is, is, you know, if this goes well, and you're right, because there won't be people in the stands probably, you know, can they get? Will Will Dolan allow the process to happen? Because this is not this is not a seventy sixers process. No, where we're just going to tank and suck for three years and get a couple of really good draft picks. No. And, you know, there there's a, a possibility, and and again, we're kind of speculating, uh, basing on what Alan Hahn, who knows way more about basketball than I do, sort of thinks is what the idea or what they could do or what they should do. But will Dolan let them do anything for more than a year and a half? before he decides this isn't working and we need to change things right. up. Right. I mean, that's the, the real question. The Knicks are sort of a team that's built for basketball 12 years ago. They have a coach that's built for basketball 12 years ago. They have a roster that's built for basketball 12 years ago. I just don't see in this barrage of three-point shooting that is the NBA now. I just, I just don't see – the Knicks competing at a high level. I also don't see them having the, the front court to just dominate. They don't have anybody as dynamic as an Anthony Davis or, I mean, they have good, all of their players, their starting lineup would make an exceptional second team for a, on a championship roster. Yeah. Yeah. But I just don't, I'm not sold on any, you know, will there be improvement? Sure. Will somebody rise? Yes. But, yeah. yeah, they're going to have to get scoring from somewhere. Right. And they're going to have to be really good defending the perimeter. Yeah. And, you know, those are two tall orders when you've got <laughs> – when R.J. Barrett is arguably you know, – R.J. Barrett or Zach Randolph is arguably your best – Best player. Player. Yeah. Certainly your best offensive option. Right. 
Julius Randle, Zach. Yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, that's that's Zach Randolph. I mean that, but that's the era. That's what the Knicks sort of remind me of is the Zach Randolph years. Yeah, it, it's just like, uh, yeah, tough, hard nosed, bruising, right? But they're but they're not, you know, tough. T- they they look like they should be, but they're but they're not. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I, I was not super excited on the Thibodeau hiring, but we'll see. They see. have an opportunity to become something to kind right. because right now they have no identity whatsoever. No. So maybe with Thibodeau, even if it's an identity that was in vogue twelve years ago, at least they'll be something. Ten years ago, I mean, he was on the Bulls, yeah. you know, and uh, but at least they'll have some sort of identity, and they'll say, "Well, and look, and and if it is a a little bit of a tougher defensive identity, you know, that's kind of." in keeping with the Knicks history. Sure. sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were never an out, you know, an, an offensive explosion type of team. It was defense first. I mean, Thibodeau, I think with the Knicks, which he, he come, he's part, he's part of the tree that has built the Knicks. He started coaching in the eighties. Uh, you know, he, he was, he was an assistant coach with, 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 with Jeff Van Gundy. So, I mean, he go it goes back a ways. And and obviously he he had a good year in two, what was it, 2011 with the Bulls, but he had a lot more talent on that team. <laughs> and Derek, he ar- arguably had one of the top three players in the league. And and the guy who I think won the MVP that year. So I I, I don't know. I um we'll see. I, well, we'll see. We'll- it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, the Knicks were were they were kind of interesting to watch last year. Uh, but at the end of the game, when you need somebody to, to score, that's where, that's just where it seemed like the, the Knicks just struggled big yeah. time. Yeah. And it, and they, they definitely did, but well, we're going to see what happens. I mean, the season starts on December 22nd. I was just going to say December 25th, Hey, you know, Christmas day means basketball, right? Right. Uh, there's five, uh, five games. Uh, I said five, the, five games, uh, that's because 12. they're planning on two, three of them being postponed. Yeah. <laughs> right. Pelicans at Heat uh, at twelve o'clock. Uh, Warriors the Bucks at two thirty. Nets at the Celtics at five. These are all Eastern times, by the way. Mavericks at Lakers at eight, and the Clippers at the Nuggets at ten thirty. So it's eight thirty by you, Harry. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, I was going to say, remember, remember back in the day when we used to watch the Knicks on Christmas Day? Yeah, I remember uh, <laughs> Bernard King going off against the Celtics and. Uh, yeah, the, the, you're not going to watch anything regarding the Knicks on Christmas Day anytime. The exciting, the most exciting day of the year for the Knicks lately has been the lottery ball. Bounce. I was going to say the lottery <laughs> lottery day. <laughs> well, look, this could be. I mean, from a from a uh, from a coverage standpoint, this could be interesting to to watch the Knicks and see if they do have success. Yeah. And look, the Nets are not guaranteed of anything. There's always the injury possibility. Knock wood. And we don't but know they, how we don't know how they're going to. I mean, they could be the Tampa Bay Bucks. They yeah. have a lot of questions, you know, to, given the, the the team and what they did last year. And now you're inserting two new superstars. You've got a neophyte coach. You know, there's a whole lot of things that have to come together and work together. Yeah, it, you can't just. I mean, look, you've got two superstars, two of the top players in the game playing together. But uh, if everything else is kind of not on par or not working, then that that's, you know, they're not going to 
win all the time anyway. You, you yeah. can't. It's it's not as simple as saying KD and Kyrie, yeah. and that guarantees. There's no guarantees. They're not going they eighty-two got a, and zero. <laughs> no, they. But they. I think a, they're even playing eighty-two games. They got a lot of questions to answer. How do we make this all fit? And how to? And, and again, how does Steve Nash, you know, deal with the personalities as well as the X's and O's? Right. So you know, I, I tend to think in the long run they're going to be good, but it could be interesting to to see how the Knicks and the Nets do. The Nets are a really easy team for me to root against. They always have been, and now it's. You know, even more than ever, it's just. Well, yeah. look, my my dad throw, was throw like, a bunch of hipsters in the crowd now drinking kombucha with their ironic oh, yeah, crashes, and it's just like, super gentrified Brooklyn. But yes, my yeah. dad was of the ilk that if you were a fan of one team, either in the same city or the same state or whatever, you were required to hate any other teams from the area. So if you were a Knicks fan, you had to hate the Nets. If you were a Nets fan, you had to hate the Knicks. Well, back when I was in high school, it was, impo- you know, it was, even back then it was, it's still hard to get a Knicks ticket, but we we had free Nets tickets. You just had to drive to New Brunswick to go see them play, <laughs> you know? And uh, I can't even remember who played on the Nets back then, but it, uh, you know, yeah, then, they, they, then they came, then they came to uh, the, uh, the arena. So well, yeah. Yeah, it was a little easier to see them. Nothing like a nice trip to Newark. Oh no, that was the Devils. That was the Devils. Yeah, well, then they yeah. went to Newark after. Nothing that, wrong actually. with Newark. Newark's great. Newark's, New- Newark's a lot more. There's a, there's a lot better places to eat and before and after a game in Newark than there is in East Rutherford. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> this is uh, this is very true. <laughs> That's yeah. good food. You got to go to Munaki to find a good diner. Yeah, or as oh. or as Ed Koch, God rest his soul, said Munachi. <laughs> Munachi. Munachi, yeah. Munachi Hello, ho hocus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that that'll about wrap it up for this show today. I want to thank everybody for watching. We want to thank everybody for watching. I keep saying that. Sorry. I thank no one. You yeah. thank thanks no one. I'm, I feel sorry for anybody <laughs> who endured all of this. <laughs> all of you. <laughs> we want to thank everyone for watching, and for those of you listening on the audio podcast, thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to visit our website, www.logarum.com. That's L-A-G-E-R-R-O-O-M.com. And please remember, like us and follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. All of them are at The Logger Room. And remember, we go live with the video podcast on both Facebook and YouTube every Wednesday at 7 o'clock-ish. Uh, for those of you, next week will be on time. Um, for those of you that want to listen to the audio podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And those of you that haven't done so already, please subscribe to one or more of those feeds and you'll never miss a show. Again, thanks for following along with us. Have a great weekend. Watch a lot of football. Enjoy. And we will talk to you soon, folks. Take care, guys. Peace. Ciao. Peace.